Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? A, uh, a kind of an extension, the Forbes series. I'm sure a lot of you know who uh, Liz Gilbert is, but I uh, met and got to do this podcast with Liz because of uh, Rob Bell. She actually did his podcast as well, and they are very, very similar, wonderful people. And it was very exciting to sit down with her for this chat. We talk about it in, in the episode, but this is definitely a 6.30 Pete podcast. In the morning, I'm so much... Uh, brighter and kind of like sillier. And then this one, I was just kind of like more serious. You'll see. I think it's interesting. It's like a little bit of an experiment. It's like sharing every different side, every different mood. But regardless, I was so stoked and so excited to talk with Liz and she drops some serious, serious truth and amazing creative advice. And her book, Big Magic, which is out now, has a lot of that wonderful advice written down. So get into that. Uh, if you if you are able to, are you? Uh, nothing uh, much to plug uh, me wise. Meaning, if you go to PeteHolmes.com, you'll see T-shirts. Uh, Petey is my homeboy. Uh, you got Princed, uh the fantastic Mr. Fox shirt, the Truman Show shirt, all that sort of stuff is on PeteHolmes.com. Unfortunately, I had to cancel my um, Utah date. We're going to reschedule that. I apologize to all my Utah weirdos and uh, all the you know belong to me. All the Utah weirdos. And now uh, we have a new sponsor, MeUndies. I'm pretty excited. I'm actually wearing MeUndies right now, and they're very comfortable. <laughs> we all know how sexy confidence can be, and that confidence comes from being comfortable. That's true. But how great can you feel if your underwear is wrinkling and riding up? I would suggest not very. MeUndies gets it, and that's why they've created the world's most comfortable underwear for a daily dose of confidence. Made from Modal, it's a fabric, uh, a fabric, I could say Modal, but not fabric. A fabric that is twice as soft as cotton is the softest underwear you've ever worn ever in your life up to this point. And with tons of styles and colors, you're bound to find something you like. MeUndies is also the only place to get matching pairs for men and women. They even release a new design every month, and all orders in the U.S. and Canada ship for free. And with a MeUndies money-back guarantee, if you don't love your first pair, you get to keep it for free. You literally have nothing to lose. To sweeten the deal, MeUndies is offering you 20% off your first under... Are you first under? What is wrong with me? Your first under for order wear. Your first order at MeUndies.com slash weird. 20%. Come on. That's a special offer just for my listeners. Thank you so much, MeUndies. Make sure you go to MeUndies.com slash weird, get 20% off your first order, and that way they'll know we sent you, and it will support this show. It really is. It's kind of like superhero underwear. You know what I mean? Like the underwear you think Wolverine might wear. I really like it. So check it out. All right, guys. Enjoy Elizabeth Gilbert. Check out Big Magic, and enjoy the fun of 630 Pete. Get into it. This is Aristotle. Hey, hi, Aristotle. Nice to meet you. How are you? I have co- uh, chocolate-covered coffee beans. Oh, oh that'll do it. I'll take one of those. Okay, that'll, sure. That'll, that'll hey, you're the only person that knew that that's the guest chair. How did I know? I don't know. It just felt like, well, I think it's Well, you were making room for your friend. That I want to see. This place is amazing. Yeah, very cool. It, used to, it feels like a factory 
floor and this is like the... Yeah, we're you like... You know what I mean? Get back to work! <laughs> You're overseeing everything. Here we go. What's the place in New York called Planet... Planet... Um, the one on 12th and Broadway? Broadway, yeah. Where the locals go? Planet Hollywood? Have you heard of it? Go. They have great burgers. It's great. Ask if you Leroy. ever get to New York, you should go. It's <laughs> so good. So good. It's yeah, it's so good. The Hard Rock Hotel. Mm. Have you ever stayed in a Hard Rock Hotel? <laughs> it's actually not that bad. Is it not that bad? You, I don't know why I'm giving them a positive mention, um, but uh, these are first, very strong. You might not want to. First Spin Magazine those. in um, oh my god, 1997. Yeah. Right? About the opening of the Hard Rock Casino in Vegas. Oh, and I went with a guy who was this so French what? French photographer who was on heroin. Did I ever talk about him, nice, Francoise? No. He was really cool and really like dark. And um, Vegas was not like pop. Vegas was not for him. And I just remember him standing. He wouldn't. He wouldn't refuse to stop smoking indoors in America. <laughs> he was like, "Why can I not smoke?" It is my. Well, Vegas is the only place you can. Uh, not right? in the lobby of the Hard Rock Hotel. Is that true? Or the Hard Rock Casino. I've stayed at that hotel. And then all of a sudden, I just remember coming upon him one day, and he was standing there, like, with this existential face and the cigarette, and he just looked at me, and he said, this is not rock and roll, this is suicide! Yeah. <laughs> oh you sometimes wonder what the what the ghosts of great rock people would think, mm-hmm. but at least we have this man <laughs> to represent that at for us. At least is, uh, is there to say. There's something so, so imposing about s- smoking, too. That is the, know, the liberation does, instrument. It is. You kind of you it do does impose. assert yourself on the whole environment. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. a guy smoking where you're not supposed to smoke is always kind of... Well, being disdainful. Yeah. Um, goes hand in hand. Where do you want me to be? That's where you are. You're is that good? There. I'm good. I don't need to be yeah. this distance. And this is Raya. 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 Why can't it be Raya? Why can't it be Instead of me being wrong, I'm ask like, her, why can't it be that? Ask your Syrian grandmother why yeah. it can't be Raya. Why Raya. Raya. That's a lovely Actually, name. in Syrian, it is Raya. Thank you. Find a way for you me were to be closer right. Closer than you thought. <laughs> so we just came from the, the Bell household. How was that? Lovely. We just did a Robcast. Um, I loved your Robcast with him, by the way. Oh, did you? Yes, I you did. You listened to it? Of course, I listened to it. Why would you? Li- I'm a well, I would one, I'm a Rob, I'm a Robcast completist. Yeah. Oh, a completist. Um, so hundred <laughs> percent. It's it's a good podcast. Yeah, he's, he's a, really, a very really consistent good. man. He's fantastic. Are you a consistent? Per- I get the feeling you're a consistent person in the same way that Rob is. I've never really seen Rob. Am I consistent? Be like oh. fuck everything. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess I am. I, feel I like, could probably stand to be a little less consistent. Yeah, mix it up. <laughs> like the way Oriental rugs have an intentional error. Oh. You should mess up every once in a right. while. Right. There's a word for that in Japanese pottery, too, isn't it? That mistake they put in on purpose to represent that nothing can ever be perfect. But then by doing that, they seem even more OCD. And even more perfect. And even more... It's like, like oh, we're so perfect. You even having, it. It's like when yeah. people say their greatest weakness or something. Right. You're only being more perfect <laughs> right. by saying, like, I'm aware of my problems. <laughs> yeah. But now we do that. If you go to, like, create... Sorry, by the way, that it's warm in here. It's just going to be relaxed. No, it's, okay. it's going to be relaxed. It's good. Is it? Yeah. I was an African violet in my first life. I like moist heat. You were an African... Oh, you were an African... I thought you were in a place called African violet. No, I was a African violet plant. I like... This is my ideal temperature. This is too wet. It's too hot. There's no such... It's moist. You're a heat person? Yeah, Miami in August. I'm like, that's about right. You're lucky she doesn't have a cashmere scarf on right now. Seriously. (laughs) 
You're wait. So you run cold, or you just I love... run cold, but I also love this. I this call is her great. asbestos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she means it loving. She means it loving. It's not good. You kill lots of children. Like it's bad. Just the minors. Yeah, yeah. But people dumb enough to <laughs> nibble on you. That's not. It isn't asbestos. That's right. Do kids? Isn't that that's insulation that the kids eat? Isn't it? What, what, are, the kids, what is what asbestos? What are the kids eating these days? Oh, lead paint is what the kids eat. Yeah. Asbestos is what the miners die of. Oh, with right, the right, 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 crystallization. Right, right. Yeah, I what a nice way to begin the conversation. Death. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what What are you doing in Los Angeles? How are you finding it? Um, I like it. I love hanging out at Rob Bell's house. It's great. Um, I'm here because we're doing an Oprah event. Oh, is that on right? Saturday, yeah. She's no way. Doing this, um, That's amazing. Super Soul Sessions. She's calling it. So she's bringing back some people who are on Super Soul Sunday. It's a live thing at mm. UCLA. And she's got a line of it? speakers. It's like spiritual TED. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, I heard it. Rob told me about it. Is Rob doing it? Yeah, Rob's doing it. I have an extra comp ticket if you uh, want. I'll be on the road. If you want to come. It's really come. incredible to see her do her thing. Well, I saw you in uh, oh, you were there? Blah Blah. In, Where was the one in California? In Blah Blah? Blah Blah, San, California. San Jose. San Jose? I'm, and I met you. After. No. Okay, because I... No. (laughs) We stood next to one another. And I I remember feeling, as a a performer, I'm a bad audience member. But I try Uh, to be a good audience member. Tell me what it means to be a bad audience member. I'm always on your cell phone. uh, No, no, no. Not that. It's not discernible. It's all mental. Meaning, like, even when I was a kid, I remember every time my parents would take me to see a play or something. The whole time, I just kept waiting for them to say, someone is sick. Is there a chubby boy that would like to fill in? (laughs) And I could be like, or like oh, you're at the Padres, game. You're at the Padres game with your like glove in your, in oh, your backpack. I thought, I, like I don't I, I can go play center field. Like, so you, so you want to you? Yeah, spectating right. makes very little uh, uh-huh. sense. Uh-huh. Live music, I can't. I don't even like talking about this because it's very, very unpopular. I don't know what to do when I'm watching live music because I don't. I, I want to just experience right. it and feel it. But oftentimes, if I'm standing, all I'm doing is I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't sound that great. You should bring like a, like some corn on the cob or something just to keep your hands. Yeah, but okay, corn on the cob or you could do drugs. That's what people are doing right. at, people, at these festivals. That's why people yeah. invented drugs. That's why. That is the most needed place for drugs I would, I would agree. ever. If I was on, I saw Elton John recently. Uh-huh. He's a legend. We couldn't go see, I was working this festival and then we went and saw Elton John. And I went and my girlfriend is wonderful and she's, you're going to meet her she's such a huge fan of yours she's going to come here at the end she'll just say hello but she's such a light-filled and and beautiful person that i like to live through she enables me to have more experiences because i'm 36 she's 26 i'm just kind of fuck everything and who cares and she's like let's go see elton john and i'm like of course i have to like why why would i deny that and then i try i really try to experience it but i can't i'm somebody i can enjoy dance can you not suspend your critical analysis as somebody who's you're like watching how they're moving where the lights are going there is a little bit of showman analysis yeah Yeah. i'm I'm thinking like is he sincerely like does he always stand up at this point is he really a rocket man (laughs) (laughs) he's not but you know it's it's fun but there's nobody even my favorite artists i don't want to listen to them play for an hour and 15 minutes i don't we walked out of the Beyonce songs. concert after 35 right? minutes. See? It was awesome, and then it was plenty. Yeah, it's plenty. But there's no way to just dip plenty. in we and like leave. That. We, well, we did. You did. We were this close to it. We were like, really? we were like 
I was like, Jay Z was behind us. We were really like, yeah. better than the Z. We were like, this is great. Well, they this is so much fun. Have night. you had enough? I've had enough. You feel yeah. like you got what this yeah. is? I got what this is. Should we go? I've Let's been, go have dinner. It I've was been terrific. 80 since I was 18. So even when I was a child, yeah. I was still like, we should beat the traffic. Like, I just kind of have that <laughs> thing. You think it would get worse with age. I'm looking really forward to being an old man because the way that I am right. in some situations will make absolute perfect my, sense. My friend's nickname for me is Grandma Handbrake. So I'm totally <laughs> on board with them. Why Grandma Handbrake? Is that safe? That's what I'm I'm like, should we... Oh. Um, uh, I don't know if the river the river looks a little high for inner tubing kids. <laughs> Maybe we should just, you know, um, like let's not try a new thing. Does well, everybody have a seatbelt on? Does everybody? Yeah, like you know, it's. I love uh, face, your words <laughs> on meditation. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why I love the introspective, the kind of like motionless activities. <laughs> I really do. I'm like sometimes I'll be at a party and I'll be like I could be deeply spelunking into myself and they right. really can be entertaining if you you know double down and devote to it right. and I, I just sometimes I wonder if you're this way you seem very extroverted and, and Rob you met Rob is certainly very extroverted and always wants to learn and he's very curious and I can be in bursts but then I get very tired and I go to a party and I'm like I'm just going around improvising conversations like right. what do you do and right. what are you about and, and then I, that gets very tiring and you're just kind of like I could just be some, I could just be being somewhere. That, yeah. which, maybe that's why I'm drawn to it. I don't know. Um, you know, I think you're going to get to an age where you're just going to give yourself total permission to never have to go to another social event for the rest of your <laughs> life. <laughs> is that what happens? Well, or do you just think that's going to happen My to husband is older than me. And I think he, around the age of 55, was like, yeah, I'm sort of done just um, being that guy holding, balancing a plate and a, and a glass in one hand and yeah. talking to a person I just don't care about. Yeah. Um, so he just doesn't do it anymore. And the great thing about sort of announcing that, like I was talking with actually about this the other day with a friend. I was saying, so I feel like one of the rules of adulthood is that you should kind of get to do what you want. Yeah. You've made it this far. <laughs> yeah. And in a relationship, <laughs> you should totally let your adult partner do it. Like, as, like let them, if they don't want to go, they don't the have problem, to go to the party. Here's the problem. Do they Can have I tell to go you to the, the party? Problem? They don't. I don't think they do. But I'll I'll s- go by myself if I want to go. Absolutely. Very, very good. Very you know, not codependent. Not very independent, we could just say. Talk to my college friends. That's horrible. <laughs> Why would I do that to you? <laughs> here's the dilemma. And this is one of the dilemmas of life is when I was a kid, I, I learned this very young when you're very impressionable. Your brain isn't even fully formed. And I, this one got in. I would go to uh, theme parks with my brother, and my brother is older than me. And he, I, I swear, your tolerance for roller coasters is about height. Because when I was little, they were terrible. And now I don't, I don't feel anything. I'm very tall. So when I was little, they were very scary. I swear it's true. Wait, is this a physics thing? I that think where so. You your, get whipped around Where more. your lungs are. Wouldn't I you think... get whipped around more if you were... I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. wouldn't you get whipped around Let's more if you were taller? It. If you were small... Your ratio, where your head is from oh, the seatbelt. Oh, you're belt. forgetting that that thing click, click, clicks down and doesn't even touch you. You're oh, just kind of like, right. you're, you're like a, kid, a little. You're bouncing around inside. Maybe I should have said size. It's not really height right. as much as it's girth. like your overall girth. Your, how, how well you your feel your, your shoulder yeah, size. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> your OG, your overall girth. But so my brother would uh, say, let's go on this roller coaster. And of course, right. I would try and be, uh, I would object. I'd say, I don't want to go. It's scary. Uh, let's go on the teacups again. <laughs> I was 16. And then he'd be like, like uh, he'd, he'd talk me into it eventually, right. and then I literally formulated a theory on this. I was like, "It's called the roller coaster principle," meaning you, if you say no, you're going to get talked into it anyway, right. and then you're going to like it. 
because I would always like it. Right. So the problem is I could say, for example, uh, my, Valerie was like, let's go see Elton John. And my impulse was I've seen so many great right. bands. I never enjoy it. And then I could say no, and just and she would, of course, accepted that. She could have gone on her own. Right. But I'm always afraid you get there, and it right. does happen right. maybe two out of three times. You get there, and it's you're like, great. Oh, this is great. I'm really glad I did this. Right. And here we are talking about it. Right. Now, you me. have a thing to say. I went to the Elton John concert. Yeah. So when people ask you what you've been doing. Have I, see, have I seen like, Elton John? You know what? John? I did a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I did a thing. <laughs> I did a thing. I had an experience. It just fills more gaps. So I'm afraid of becoming so mm. self-actualized that you become a dragon. I know you're like a I big... Don't, I don't know if my husband is self-actualized as much as just deeply... Over um, Misanthropic. <laughs> uh, he's done. <laughs> That's it. He's done. Yeah. He's, he's done. Um, I'm afraid of the doneness, though. Look at, <laughs> look at people like Rob, and mm-hmm. certainly from what I know about you, these people are never done. They're just kind of like, no, curiosity being a virtue, something that we foster, something we repress the impulse to become our true in that sense, selves, because our true selves are shitty. This is the dragon principle. <laughs> Go, dragon this, principle. This, well, it's just the idea that dragons, you're a big, you like Joseph Campbell. Yes. And dragons are, are metaphors for things that can't spend gold, but right. they have mountains of gold, and they can't f- have sex with their virgins because they're dragons, but they hoard money and, and women. I was going to say whores, <laughs> just because it's medieval times. I think you were just going to say it because hoard whores. Yeah, no, a hoarding whores. Right? It's like, it makes it sound almost like you're speaking yeah. like a gothic tongue. Yeah, hoarding whores. It would look great in Old English. <laughs> it would, it would really good. look great. So I'm afraid of becoming the dragon because you can stay in your apartment and eat Quiznos every day. We can do this. There's a, there's a pleasure to it, but I don't right. know if that's the highest expression. Well, that's very interesting. Okay, I didn't... See, I would only imagine that there's nothing but cool to being a dragon because you get to go smite whole villages um, and fly and be <laughs> iridescent. That's, that's like one's a hundred years. <laughs> Just it's like, always like the dragon comes out every hundred years. <laughs> that's like Comic Con. He's done hoarding horrors. I have to argue your husband is no, not. He's, he he's, is, he's ridiculous. He's, he's hard to done. explain. He's just, he's done so much yeah. that he has his favorite things to do now. He knows it. And he knows what they are. Yeah. And that's what he loves and he enjoys. And everything else is like, He doesn't eh. care. Yeah. You know, I also think I that, that there is a, a thing about the triage of curiosity, too, though. Um, and I feel like the most efficient way... But you're right, Rhea. He's the man who knows what he likes. And he allows himself all of it. So you don't want to have um, too much... Uh, you can put these on, by the way, if you want to hear the show. It's better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is my friend Ray Elias, by the way. We've been podcast hopping today. I know! Um, it's great. The author of the amazing book, Harley Loco. Harley Former, Loco? Yes. Um, writer, filmmaker, punk rock musician, legend. Um, but I, <laughs> I think about this. One of the most important things that I ever was given as a as a creative piece of advice was from an older female artist who I was complaining to in my 20s about the fact that I did not have enough time to pursue my writing because of all the other obligations that I had in my life. The, the, the eternal complaint. Like, you're never going to meet any creative person who doesn't have that essential fundamental complaint that there's just they're dreaming of some sort of slow grass growing lawn in a distant place where they can gently allow these things to ferment everyone fantasizes about that it never comes the farm dream you know and i like yeah they're gonna somebody's gonna just take you into their womb and provide for you and and do all the weird bullshit of life and then you just get to create in in an undisturbed 
uterine and temperature mm -hmm. forever and like well, never, can you blame us you know, we've been there before we, that's the dream maybe that's where you got it but we you know <laughs> that ain't what it is on life on earth right so but i was i was just sort of griping to her and she said what are you willing to give up to have what you really want and and it was such a searingly important question for me at that moment in my life and and she also said to me what's your favorite tv show and I said, The Sopranos. And she said, Not anymore. <laughs> um, and I was like, What do you mean? There's a better one? And she's like, No, you're done watching recreational television. Um, because if you have enough time to be engaged in a long running television series, and in you have Christopher's enough time creative to endeavors. be writing. Christopher doesn't have time book. to write his movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have time. You have all kinds of time in your life. Yeah. And, and so, what are you willing to give up? in order to have what you keep saying that you want. Yeah. Um, and so that means a kind of a triage of, well, I'm sort of interested in everything and I want a little bit of everything, but actually the most efficient thing is to just start cutting stuff out yeah. um, and saying, all right, no more of this, no more of that, no more of this, no more of that, and then look at all this world that opens up of space and time to, but you, to do that, you have to know what you want. Yeah. Which is important. I struggle with this a, a lot of time. That, that was a speci I never write down specific questions I was going to uh, ask people, but one of them that I have for you was, are we all to live exceptional lives? Because I, I read uh, Big Magic. I, I thought it was wonderful. I, I didn't read all of it. Not that you're going to quiz me. <laughs> I actually had Rob's copy. Which parts didn't you read? So I floated, <laughs> I floated around. I float around for what he highlighted. It's like I had the college oh, that's so, used oh, that's book so edition. Oh, that's so nice. He, he drew your eye to what was important. Which was great. And also Valerie had done that too, so I had it double highlighted by two people. Oh, that's so cool. But uh, it was wonderful. And one of the questions uh, that comes to mind is, and I give a lot of advice and I love trying to empower people to like yeah. create. I really do think we have that in common. It's like we are here to co-create. It's yeah. like that's where the juice is. Yeah. That's where the life is. And I, I sometimes look at uh, some people that are maybe feel more limited, and it's a, it's a daunting question for me. It's like, are, is is the utopia everyone's doing it? You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And we can't know. You know. Um, and I think that to give a, a confident answer to that question would be strange, disingenuous, and naive, because <laughs> um, we don't we don't know. I have no way of knowing what's hidden inside people. Most of the time, I have no way of knowing what's hidden inside me. Yeah. You know? um, I barely can reach that most days. You know, But I'll tell you this, just personally from the way that I want to engage with my fellow man, <laughs> yeah. I think the most interesting way for me to approach anyone is to assume that they have all sorts of gems and treasures hidden inside of them. Yeah. Um, and that they may be revealing them, and I may be seeing them, or they may not be either because they're doing something secretly that's really interesting that they haven't shown or that they haven't allowed themselves permission to reach that. And I feel like the one thing I can do um, in the position that I have right now is to just constantly be walking around handing out permission slips, trying to encourage people to at least go mining, right. you know? Um, right. And, and God, it's an interesting game to try to find out. Right. Um, and, and it's sort of the same reason that I'm the, so terribly uninterested in the question of talent, it's so boring. To, it's so such a boring subject to me because again, it's something that we can't know. We can't gauge. I don't have no idea how much writing talent I have mm. um, naturally, and how much of what I do is because I'm talented, and how much of what I do is because I've been working really hard at this since I'm 15. How much of it is because I've been lucky? I don't know. We don't. We can't measure these things. Mm. Um, and you and I both know, I'm sure, amazingly talented, brilliant people who we've encountered in our lives who do nothing. They've made nothing. They've done nothing. They haven't. Um, 
cash those chips in. They haven't yeah. found a way. And so those chips are, well, there's your dragon life, right? And we both, I'm sure, I do, know people who I arrogantly dismissed, you know, and thought I had them sorted out and there's nothing there. And then they staggered me mm. with something that they made um, or did or were that I didn't know. was. So I think it's humbled me to the point where all I can say to that question is, who knows, but wouldn't it be a cool way to walk through the world assuming that there's so much more to everybody than we can possibly imagine, including us. Yeah, but uh, yes, I don't know why. It doesn't I, mean I, everyone I can mean... make the Sistine Chapel, but do we all have to? <laughs> yeah, we don't. It's done, first of all. I, I, maybe it's just how I feel. To, yeah, you could go in and do some revisions, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> some of those female bodies are weird. I'd like to take the, their like, massive just... shoulders off. and you know. Somebody um, just was on the – were you doing that one? Somebody was just talking about the way Michelangelo – uh, painted, and they were they were talking about it. They look like overstuffed turkeys or something. They, like okay. there are critics that are like Butter he balls. painted, yeah, he painted <laughs> muscles that don't show regularly. Right. I can't remember where I, I have too many conversations. <laughs> It'll come back to me. Okay, but anyway, but what do you think? I th- I do think there's something. It's it's like we live in this world. You're talking about the Sopranos, right? And I'm very interested in this idea of the myth of happiness and the myth of identity. And this is something that E. Pray Love talked about a lot, and I think just in your work in general. But also Rob talks about it. He in did you read Drops Like Stars? He just gave it to me. It's in my bag. It's great. Well, there's. I'll, let's pause. I'll read it now, and then we'll. Uh, <laughs> it's actually not that long. You no, could. I actually think I could. There's uh, some lines in there that I'm like. He says that you're like his sister, and then I was reading it, and then I read Eat, Pray, Love after that, and I was like, oh my god, they really are. And there's a line in there where he talks about this myth, this lie of who we are and what we want, and all these things that we're talking about. And he has this great line where he says, "Death by flooring." And it's very similar to your idea of death by marble countertops, which right, is an E. Right, Pray Love thing. Right. So when we talk about people uh, figuring out who they are and what they can create and what they can, all the gems and unearthing them in some unexpected way, I don't know what, maybe just today I feel more cynical. It's like we're constantly being fed with uh, Facebook and money and society and culture, this, this lie that we're so far from who we actually are that I start to be, today I feel skeptical like there, I the just see that, too many people that the are just lie like, that you're being fed is um, what's exactly the lie? they were consumers that like you yeah. you are your yeah, preferences yeah, yeah. you yeah. are thinking that the Hobbit was too long you're you're, you're a Marvel <laughs> guy or you're a DC guy you're a Hulu guy or a Netflix guy right you know what I mean like we've created this paradise for a rational mind to be like I'm this and not this and this is my customizable ringtone right. this is my desktop background but there, every, there's something for everybody now but none of it is anything and the creative place seems to be a quieter place a more authentic place it seems like a place that you go in the, in the woods and eat mushrooms and you get to that place or meditate or whatever it is you're going to do right. so lately maybe it's just because I've been traveling I've been on the road and I've been listening to a lot of people's conversations on airplanes and right. talking to cab drivers who tell me misogynistic and racist jokes Right. And I, I see two guys in in my row, and they're talking about like the likelihood of the plane crashing and how many they said gallons of gin they were going to buy. I was like, it doesn't come in gallons, you amateurs. And I'm just kind of like everybody is just kind of uh-huh. today. Maybe it's because we're recording at six. I usually like doing this at like eleven a.m. when I'm a little when you're, brighter. When you're friendlier to yeah, the world, I'm friendlier now. Today it's six p.m. Pete, and six p.m. Pete is like. 
I hear what you're saying, and I would love to go around going like, "There's gems in you." Maybe it's my own family. Right. I've been looking for the gems in my in my parents, and and at a certain point, you find yourself saying things like, "They don't know they're not happy." You know what right, I mean? Right. That seems to me like life. Okay. As as much as I'd like to have some more stories where let's you're like, take this. Let's take I this part piece by piece. <laughs> first, my first question is. I always there's a part of me that always gets a little like when somebody says these days people are like this. Yeah. Um, and and I have to put it on you to ask: Do you think like when Buddha was Siddhartha the prince and he was walking around and he was like, wait a minute, this is all shallow and bullshit, and these people aren't actually thinking about what meaning is and consciousness? Like, isn't that what drove him? Right. On his like, didn't he have the same thing of you on an airplane listening to two guys of talking course, about gallons of gin? And yeah. when Jesus was knocking over the tables and the I mean I don't know my Bible that good yeah <laughs> didn't he knock over some tables and yeah, some money no, change like wasn't it because he was he had just he was six o'clock Pete yeah like, it was six o'clock Pete you know and he was just like ah these people are like what are you doing you're sitting here like arguing over ch-. like like so if you're in that head then then uh, there's no end of evidence that we're shallow and we're stupid and nobody's really thinking about <laughs> their lives and it's ridiculous and it's all pathetic and we're doomed. Yeah. You know, um, there's no end of arguments to support that. Um, that doesn't get me anywhere, though, where I near where I want to be. I agree. Um, and I and I can't. It's in, it, it's completely indefensible for me to come and be like that's not true people are really people in airplanes aren't idiots oh, and i'm not trying to you put know? you in a, i'm not trying to put you in a pickle but that's that. i feel like it's kind of my job yeah to be like okay true and dot 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 now what you know um true facebook yeah right true twitter gotcha totally accurate yep True. People on airplanes talking on their cell phones, idiots. <laughs> Cab drivers. Mis- yep. All of it's true. Undeniable. Now, the interesting part is, now who are you going to be? You know, um, that's the only question that it always comes down to. Who are you going to be now? Um, you just heard this conversation that's asinine and makes you hate all of humanity. That happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, Pete, who are you now? What, t- what time are you, is it? Are you the guy who just observes what idiots everyone is? Like, which is the easiest and laziest possible position to take. And of it's course. also totally accurate. Or do you want to try to flip the whole script to a different paradigm, see under, look around, force yourself to work a little harder? Um, you know, like so that. exhausting. Yeah, but it's, I find the other thing much more exhausting. Because the way I feel when I get in that head just takes the fucking life out of me you know like if i continue the surrender makes you tired no the just everything sucks you know like if i allow myself to go down that hole the where i'm going to end up is such a bad neighborhood for me <laughs> um that it'll be so much less work to do a little work to reverse it <laughs> to stop it <laughs> because yeah. the end result's so much better yeah you know like otherwise it's just really grim you know um and i just don't also i don't believe it totally because I sort of feel like, what else is happening here? You know, like, I don't know. Like, if somebody heard my, if somebody was walking behind me in Target, listening to me talk to my best friend Ray on the phone, they'd be like, that fucking moron talking about, like, Game of Thrones is, is like, here she is in Target buying underwear on the phone. She can't even be off her phone for two minutes to buy underwear. She's talking to her friend about, like, what happened on Game of Thrones. I was like, woman, live! Throw your cell phone away and do something. Right. Like, I would appear to be the biggest bonehead, 
bovine consumer robot. And I know I'm not because I have a whole other bunch of other parts too. So I have to assume when I see people behaving in a way in public that makes me think they're nothing, that maybe it's possible that they're quite something. Yeah. It's just a, it's just better for me to think that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like what you're saying, that you do a little bit of work there to stop yourself from going to the really bad place. Because, I mean, in the end of that rant against it's all shitty, where are you at? Like, you're in such a bad, such a bad place to live. You don't really like 7 o'clock Pete after you've let 6 o'clock Pete have, <laughs> have his way with you, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a constant struggle. Right? But that really does feel tiring sometimes i work on this in in therapy i'm i'm a real savior complex guy i'm an evangelist meaning whatever it is that's fixing me listen to this if you've ever listened to this but you listen to my podcast with rob yeah i have boatloads of stuff we are two evangelists face to face yeah that's right so it is a little strange that i represented this other side of me but we're all everything and also like we're both probably that same my uncle nick who's the same said that his one of his aa friends said to him the other day what's nick's definition of a nightmare to be locked in a in a round room and somebody tells him there's an alcoholic in the corner and he just tries to find them and save them you know like like we're that like right i'm sure we're psychomagnets yeah um, like yeah. whenever somebody's a real mess we're drawn to them yeah <laughs> um, i'm trying to work on it though you know, uh but but that's kind of what it is to be the permeable membrane and to be the empath and to like you know it's all look yeah i know uh, but at, at, the, i suppose at what point do we say do you catch yourself saying that's their karma like i i'm the guy okay Here's your example, and I know you'll get it. Uh, when I was 20, uh, I don't know, 8, I got... That's not distracting. <laughs> that was sarcasm. <laughs> Sorry, a woman was showcasing a dog for her saddle. I, uh, I guess I am grumpy today. I don't know why. It's okay. Thank you for it's giving okay. me permission. I'm so sweaty. You're, you're grumpy because you're hot. <laughs> that could be that it. That could just be it. It could just... You know, there's that... Didn't Sarah Silverman have a joke about that? Like, sometimes you just feel like life is horrible and you just want to kill yourself and then you realize you're just thirsty <laughs> um, like maybe it's just maybe this isn't an existential crisis maybe you just need more air conditioning it in, could your, be. in your God, podcast it cube it's real hot in here <laughs> I, I'm, I'm impressed by both of you ladies for being so cool um, so when I was 28 or something I really got my shit together and I uh, became a big Tony Robbins guy mm-hmm. I was like oh my god this guy everybody knows has everything. to be saved by Tony Robbins yes yeah. at one point yeah. <laughs> that's how life goes has a smile I have Tony you Robbins' smile. I just have an enormous head. As weird as <laughs> oh, you have his smile. Really? You have, yes. you have a smile made for evangelical work. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, because if I don't know what to say next, I just Tony Robbins it and smile, and they're like, "This guy must know what he's doing." So I love Tony Robbins, and I bought his. Th- I bought it. I right. didn't steal it. Could have easily downloaded, it, but I paid <laughs> because I was like, "This will make me invested in it," and I did it, man. I yeah. listened to every hour of it, and then I had a lot. Of, it's always family members that I'm kind of like. You oh, my should. God, you should listen to this. Right. This is going to solve this and this <laughs> and this and this. And then I would be like, you got to watch this food documentary. you right. got to watch this and that and all these health things. And, and it was just like this found me and changed my life. Right. I'm a Super Soul Sunday person. Right. I, I went to that and still remember. I took notes. I was one of the men there, and I was one of the fewer, even a smaller minority, man taking notes and enjoying <laughs> it and not worrying that only one of the male bathrooms was open for my people. <laughs> so I love that, and I absorb it, and then I assume everybody else wants it. So right. I bought 
a family member an iPod and put all the things on it. Look, Sorry, I did Tony, this for I stole you. it. I did this for you. To make it so simple. Yeah, I, all I you have to do is push day play. day one, day two, day three, yeah. day four, and I gave it How'd to them. How'd that work for you? <laughs> it, I, I don't know. It probably has Maroon 5 on it now. I mean, that thing has been wiped. None of them, I gave my mom, yeah. uh, all the, like, food documentaries, because yeah. I don't think she knows as much as she'd like to know. They don't watch them. They don't want to watch them. And then, so I go to therapy so I can go... That's just them. Love them for who they are instead of who you want them to be. Right. But that, that's me going like, well, that's also the sad part of that is going, well, I don't think they're getting into that higher place self. I don't think that they know their potential. And I don't think they're creating. I don't think they're making big magic. I don't think they're being fulfilled. I don't think they're being enlightened. And it's a waste. Okay, so it's real seven o'clock here, Jeopardy bed by nine shit, and it makes me upset. Um, and then, or so I can either be upset and hit my head against the wall, right. or I can be depressed that I can't do anything. Are those your two choices? That's right, Liz. Pete Holmes. No, it's not. My two choices are: I can be upset or I can be depressed. First of all, not a big difference between those two. <laughs> well, at least <laughs> upset him like, doing I would, something. I would sort of say we can be. You can also be like. I don't know, lightly amused, or you can turn your energy into shit you can actually do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like where your power is actually useful. And I feel like for me, one thing that's so fun about social media is that now I don't preach to my friends and family anymore. I preach to people who actually come to my social media page because they want me to preach to them. Right. Um, so I found people who want me to tell them <laughs> everything that I think is the most important thing in the entire world right now, and they actually deliberately volunteer to be there, as do the people who listen to your podcast. Right, yep. So I would say keep it in your pants around your family <laughs> and your friends, because guaranteed, they're not going to get it from you anyway. Okay, even if it does come to them, the thing you want them to have, yeah. you are almost certainly not going to be the messenger of it in their lives, because of whatever like family shit, dredge, concrete... Garbage, yeah. resentment, history is in the way. Like the the one person guaranteed who is not going to be opening my mother's heart and mind to yoga and meditation is going to be me. But she might be watching like Judge Judy, and somebody on there will speak something that, like, in the same way that the people who I'm talking to on my Facebook page, because they're morally, ethically, and familially neutral to me, mm. we don't have any history. Those are the people who I can have these conversations with. My and what I've realized now is I'm like. I try. Ray's going to laugh because she knows I still do this. But I really do try to keep my friends, my neighbors, and my friends spared from my fundamentalism. <laughs> because they didn't ask me for it. Mm. And most of the people in my personal life who I have jumped in and tried to save never once came and asked me, Liz, well, like, hey, you seem really happy. Can you tell us about like what you learned? And Not once. And most of the worst Worst, and you can Ray can attest because she's been a bystander watching me do this. I have taken airplane flights full of friends and crashed them into mountains and blew up friendships because I tried to change, save, rescue, and show the light to those people. Mm. And I, if I could turn back the clock on my life, my God, I would love to so go back in time and just be like, you want to go have a beer and talk about Jeopardy? Because then I would still have you as my friend. Yeah. And all I did was alienate you, create some weird codependency between us, make me hate you because you don't want to see what I want you to see. Like, I fucked up this whole relationship instead of just hanging out with you and being, like, company in the room with you, which is all 
you ever wanted from me. Yeah. So leave them alone. And I tell, I'm saying to you, and I'm also saying yeah, it to sure. me, and take it where people actually volunteer and sign up and say, what does Pete Holmes have to say to me? I want to hear. Mm. You know, people who pay tickets to come and hear you speak, give it to them. Mm-hmm. They asked you for it. Your family doesn't want it from you. Right. You know, they might want it, but they might not want it from you. <laughs> Just right. enjoy them. Like, it's I, can't so, I think that's the hardest thing to do. I I, like I said, I'm 36 years old. That's the hardest thing. Well, is to I'm just 46. Like, I'm just going to watch. I'm 46. Look at him go. And I had an amazing transformation with my parents in the last couple of Tell years. Tell me. Where I was just like. Riveted. What if their marriage was none of my business? <laughs> what a radical thought. What if they're adults who have been doing a dance with each other for 50 years that is entirely, privately, 100% their business? Mm. And what if I just let them have their business, and I just appreciate them for everything that I enjoy about them, and I stayed the fuck out of their personal life. Mm. And that moment of transformation, I have enjoyed them more in the last few years. I just went this summer to celebrate how much I'm enjoying them. I just took my mom on a trip to Greece. I took my dad to Italy, spent this time with them alone and enjoyed them. Because they're not mine to solve. They didn't ever, they didn't have a kid so their kid would solve them. Mm. I don't even know why they had a kid. That's Again, that's their business. They happened to have a kid. It happened to be me. They raised me. They put me through school. They gave me food. Whatever. It's mm. great. Look, whatever else they do and are and believe and want to be, it's none of my business. Yeah. And if you can just... And but you admit, like, up until recently, it was painful, though. Yeah, because I was uh, trying to get in the middle of it, trying to fix them, trying to... Kodo. Kodo? Kodo? Is that what we call codependence now? Kodo. Kodo. And I was doing that, I was doing that <laughs> ever since fun. I was a kid, and they kind of liked me doing it. Yeah. And they kind of hated me doing it, but they kind of mostly liked me doing it because it showed, you know, like we had a thing and we all had a little dance that the three of us did. And when I stepped this out of it, so it funny. stopped. All I had to do was just be like, this isn't my dance. These people are, my God, they're in their 70s. Leave them alone. Leave them alone, Liz. Like, just... And they're fine. And whatever they're going to do, they're going to keep doing it. Because they've always done it. And just enjoy the fact that they're still alive. And that they make you laugh sometimes. And they drive you crazy. Just... But what... Stop trying to fix them. They don't need you to fix them. They don't even need to be fixed. What if there's nothing wrong with them? What if there's nothing wrong with 730 Jeopardy? Yeah. What if that's fine? What if there's nothing in their soul saying, I want more than this, I'm very sad? What if they're satisfied? You know, I had this, this, this moment in Eat, Pray, Love where I was talking to a guy I met in India who was like me and you, head on fire, full of yearning, wanting the mysteries under the mysteries, wanting the whole of everything, right? Yeah. He's this Irish guy. He came from a farm in Cork. And like the least likely person you would expect to find in an ashram in India, you know, a guy who spent his life milking dairy cows in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. in Cork, Ireland. But he had been like chased by God across the world trying to find answers. I read this part. You know, and he. I think I got to this part. There's this moment where he, after three years of spiritual journeying, finding meditation, doing all this stuff, yoga, sweating, blah, the chanting, the Guru Gita, the everything. He goes back home and sits by the fire with his father, who's a very constant person. Yeah. And he says to his dad, Dad, you got to try all this meditation stuff. It's amazing. You're not going to believe it. It's gonna, it can really calm your mind. And his father, without even looking from the fire, embers in the stove said, But son, I already have a calm mind. 
<laughs> I already have a cold mind. I think I remember you reading know, that like, and being like, I don't, need I don't it, buy it. But why? Yeah, get the fuck out of my face. You're telling me an Irishman is sitting by the fire and relaxing? But what? Get the fuck out of my face. One, what if it is? And two, yeah, no, why I'm is it just, none of your business? I'm also just doing you know, comedy because so, um, I'm yeah. Irish. But, but, he's, but, but it thought, could be true. What if, like, I've met some people who sort of, I feel like, wow, what if, like, they're good? What if they're just, I marvel at them and I look at them like an anthropologist, like, do you seriously not, like, want to get underneath all this stuff? Yeah. And I think sometimes they're like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I, I, no, you're right. I do. You know? I see that. And I, I, that story moved me when I read it. it. And me, it moved me when I heard you say it again. I, I love it very, very much. I just, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. It causes me a lot of discomfort. B- putting, <laughs> putting people outside the people that we can't help right i do i I will uh call out my own manure and say that i don't even know if i'm the happiest person in the world and i know all this stuff you know what i mean (laughs) like so i don't even know how much better i'll I'll concede that right i don't know how much better i'm doing maybe it is about staring at the fire and watching jeopardy i'm not sure Mm. uh but what is it that uh i'm wondering one of the questions i wanted to ask you is what are some of those mantras lessons things that you've held on to that you repeat every day what are, what are your daily things that you try to remember because i have yeah, them yeah because i now i want to tell you that i'm not all bad most You're of the not time any bad, i know dude. but most of the time i can be on an airplane and yeah. go i've been that guy yeah. you know what i mean and i have things that i repeat to myself yeah yeah because that's a big thing yeah one of them is i pretended to dream and then suddenly it's very fascinating right i'm like look that guy's perfect i had a psychiatrist who, t- who told me to um, do that to pretend to be an anthropologist when you're around your family. Well, that's what I say. And just I thought that was my them. thing. Observe them as if you have a clipboard like, oh, the male seems to be that's showing aggression toward the female. Brilliant. Um, like just <laughs> a little bit of detachment. That's brilliant. But, I actually, but that's my dream. Can I? Yeah. Because that's my dream thing. I go, this is exactly like my mom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because if you can, it's a, it's a trick, but you get yourself into some sort of fascination. Yeah. It's a hack. Or to say you're time traveling to this time. Right. Because we love Mad Men. Look at, look at the pens. Well, look at this pen. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm wondering oh, what you're, so cool. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. Um, well, one thing is I try, like when I get worked up, I actually try to be an anthropologist of my own mind. Like, mm. oh, this is interesting. The human seems to be... <laughs> oh, the human is very agitated by that person talking on their cell phone Yeah, um, in the airplane lounge. That's so fascinating how... Like, today on the plane, I flew here today from Miami, and, and there were two things today that tipped over my Apple cart, and I was like, this is fascinating how much this is getting you. Mm. Um, the guy sitting next to me on the plane talking on his cell phone long after the doors had closed, and the stewardess asked him very politely once... And he totally ignored her. And I was like, you are the most entitled dickweed. And, um, and then she asked him again, and he still didn't do it, like, even when the play. And I was like, and then I was like, this is amazing how, like, my blood pressure went up. Yeah. My, yeah. Um, like, I had a physiological reaction. Yeah. It's like Masters of Sex. It's like, look at her pupils like, are dilating. Yeah, you could, yeah. like, I'm sure my temperature rose. Yeah. I lost concentration on the work that I need to be doing. I was like, it is amazing. Like, I still marvel at how little it takes to completely knock me off yeah. my calm. But, um, and then you say, look at how it's happening. Even saying that helps. Like, yeah. wow, look at how... And instead of being like... And I don't want to punish myself for it. I don't spray myself in the face with a spray bottle like I'm a dog who just <laughs> chewed on the furniture again. Um, because that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. I just marvel at it. It's so interesting how you can't handle this. That That's cool. That's something to think about. Um, weird. It's so funny to be a monkey with a supercomputer in your brain. Like, weird, right? Right? And then the thing that always 
always helps is to then I just say to myself, I don't want you to suffer. Um, it's okay. I know you're not having a good time right now, but I really like you and I don't want you to suffer. You're a good, you're a good egg. Like (laughs) this isn't helping you, but that's okay. If you have to do this right now, then that's what we're doing right now. We're being agitated right now, but I don't want you to stay there. And that helps like just kindness, just to kind of like self-kindness, just self-kindness to just say to yourself, like, dude, I don't want you to do this to yourself. It's, you know, this is not nice to you. Right. Right. Um, and the other one today was that I went to visit Robin Kristen and I didn't have time when I got to the airport to bring them a gift, it was the first time in my adult life I ever walked into somebody's house without a gift, and I almost couldn't even be there. It was so upsetting to me. Like, I had this shame And then attack. he gave you drops like stars. I mean, Yeah, and then they terrible. gave me a present. <laughs> and I just, like... And I was like, dude, it's amazing how upset you are yeah. about this. I'm like, wow, it's really interesting. So what's that all about? So I feel like... Somebody, by the way, you know this, who couldn't care less. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which is another reason why I want to gift him with something lovely to right. show how much uh, I love him for that. Oh, your um, little error in the uh, oriental rug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're back to that. Um, I think these days they call it an Asian rug. <laughs> it's an Asian <laughs> <laughs> rug. Very nice. Very, very nice. <laughs> so anyway, um, but it, the two things I have sort of take, took away certainly from being in India was – Look at it with detachment, and the way to do that is study yourself like an anthropologist. I love the best line that, that the guru there ever taught was, um, become a scientist of your own experience. Mm. Right. So just observe, that's it. Take out the clipboard and be like, this is fascinating. Right now I'm losing my shit. Mm. I am totally in a rage. I cannot come down from this. I am obsessing over this thing somebody said to me. How interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like the word interesting is like the most important word to it. And have an interesting life. Yeah. Um, because I think in Big, in Big Magic, I said the difference between a horrible outcome and an interesting outcome is just the volume turned down on the drama a little bit. Mm. You know, so when I'm like in a state, instead of saying like, this is the worst thing that's ever, I'm like, this is so interesting. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting. So interesting. Um, and then the com- and then just saying, I don't want you to hurt. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to. I don't want anyone to suffer. Right. So why would I want me to suffer? Right. You know, and it's not doing anything. It's not doing, you know, it's not helping anybody. I think it's such an interesting thing. First of all, all that just sounds like a fancy way of trying to identify with the witness inside of you. Yes, Wouldn't you say it so is. like it's a soul consciousness? Yeah. Mind the observer, experiment. The You're going, isn't who it is funny? the person who is upset? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is upset? Yeah. And and then even looking at your body and going like, You're okay. Yeah. I like this incarnation. You're good. You're good. <laughs> like, keep it up, keep it up. Isn't it weird to be a monkey person with a brain? Like, yeah. It's like that's what I it's so weird to be a monkey with this brain. What a weird conundrum. Weird. It's a strange ride. But it's, I could see why I signed up for it. But it's, it's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, it's it's very the most interesting. interesting game in town. There's no more interesting game yeah. in town than to be a human being. I think it's interesting, though, how spirituality has been kind of uh, reduced to resistance. Like, we're, we're a resistance uh, people. Uh-huh. I mean, kind of like modern Christianity, at least the one that I grew up in. So when you see, like, when you feel... Uh, lust or anger oh, or fight greed. It. Fight the devil. Instead of, yeah, instead of fighting the devil, you just kind of observe it. Right. That doesn't. This is the part where you have to be like, that doesn't mean kill people. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But you just go like, it's okay. And even when you say yes to your anger, right. even in that, kind of going back to the dream thing and the anthropology thing, you just right. go like, there is anger instead of identifying with it and saying, I am angry. Right. You just go, no, there is anger. Right. And isn't that interesting? What isn't a, what that a fun interesting? Little, what a fun little hack you've created. <laughs> That's a great one. Oh, it's so good. I got to tell you, my role model for most things in terms of how I want to move through the world is my great aunt Lolly, who's now in her 90s, who's 
Um, the most. I just pictured her in 1990s outfits. I was like, oh, she's yeah. in her 90s. She's in her phase. 90s. She's in her 90s. <laughs> which is like what high waisted acid wash. Yeah, jeans. slab bracelets. Um, she she's got like Seinfeld um, sneakers <laughs> on. Uh, just a little like her bangs are moosed, but nothing yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she's in her 90s. Very 90s. Lolly is like she's she's somebody who finds the entire world incredibly interesting and always has and has not had an easy life. Everything hasn't gone her well, but she, way, but she thinks. That everything is really like her words. Her words are neat, interesting, fascinating, amazing. Mm. And I ran into her at a family reunion <laughs> when she was in her eighties, and she's always just like full on, like yeah. And I talked. I went to visit her recently because I was like, "Give me some of this thing, right? Like, what is it? Yeah, this juice, yeah. this like juice in you." And she she just like put her fist in the air. She's like, "You just have to push against the despair." You know, it was oh like my God. It was so great. She's like, "You got to just put your shoulder against it and just push against it." Right. You know, like That's the idea you, that it's an effort. Yeah, what do you think that you just get to be like this? Right. You know? That like, is one of the biggest lessons of life is like adults that I used to be embarrassed yeah. by, the participators, the dancers, the First jo- one in the, the joke line. tellers, yeah. Like the ones that just aren't embarrassed. It's not their temperament. Like, you shouldn't be embarrassed of these people. Awesome. You should go, those are the heroes. That's what the, you want to be. The weird old couple that are the first to dance at a wedding. It's like It's not because they love dancing. It's because they're pushing against despair. And because they love participating. Yeah. And they want to be part of everything that's going on. Right. And, um... And I was like, Lolly. She's like, Lizard. Uh, you know, and like, I love, like, whenever she sends me a letter, I always read it to my husband and we count the exclamation points because it's all like, guess what? Ten exclamation points. Yeah, you know, yeah. I got a new dog. <laughs> like, it's all the greatest thing that ever happened. And it's not <laughs> fake because you can't sustain that act for 90 years. Yeah. You know, it's so authentic and it's so, and she's so real and standing in that. And it's also her job on earth is to fucking be like that right like, that's how she decided she is well she's probably making she's making her world yeah and um and i i was like lolly she's like lizard i said lolly what's up she's like lizard guess what i have and i said what and she said cancer <laughs> no 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 <laughs> just like that really? and i was like obviously taken it back and i said well and she goes isn't that interesting <laughs> and i thought you know what it's pretty goddamn interesting. Yeah. Like, if you just think about it, there's very few things more interesting. Really, you've got these cells in your body that don't know how to die, and they're growing into these... That's interesting stuff. Right. And she said, I've got... I, I just think it's so interesting, because it showed up, and there's skin cancer in my arm, and I've met the most neat doctors, <laughs> and it's so fascinating, and they show me all the stuff they're learning, Right. and it's just the neatest thing. You know, and... Like, you would... Maybe part of you, a cynical person, would be like, what a fool or a liar. Right. You know, but I've stood in her radius yeah. and I know what comes out of her, the energy and the hum and the vibe and the light. And it's the true believing. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, it's the realest thing you're ever going to see. It's that rote thing. It's like practice. Uh, well, you know, that's a very Eastern word, I suppose, is practice, but she put it in, she has a practice. Like, yeah. she continually does it, and there's probably neural pathways being forged where she's like, totally. curiosity, faith, uh, you know, like the idea of faith or, or interest resilience. or passions. Yeah. Resilience. Being something you w- works on. I really do think most people think, oh, that's a happy person or that's a curious person or that's a reader or that's a writer or that's a singer or that's a dancer. And you're (coughs) kind of like, they're probably very nimble. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I know I do that. 
for, for sure. Yeah. Uh, with different things. But there's, there's people that work on it. Yeah. So I she gave you so. a lot of these daily mantras. Are there any others? Um, interesting is the one. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I don't want you to suffer. I can't tell you how much that helps me. Yeah. To say that. And also to say it before I'm in a conflict with somebody or when I'm in a conflict with somebody to even think as I'm having the conflict, I don't want this person to suffer. Mm. Um, and it just minimizes my anger, my frustration. And if I can start with like, I might not be happy with them right now, but I know I don't want them to be a suffering person. Yeah. Um, what do you want? Which is funny because that was one of the things that the Oprah thing that I had to make some sort of, I, I had to ask myself, what is it that I want? Uh, you know what I mean? A lot of people start with a massage would be nice or, you know, yeah. like I'd, those mind exercises of like, if you could really have anything or what is it that really plugs you in, not just to happiness, but into yeah. some sort of fulfilled, that's a very Tony Robbins thing, but some sort of fulfilled. These words work though. Yeah, they're good. They're yeah. good. They're fine. What is your mission? Say, I'm just interested. Um, well, there's two. There's kind of my emotional life and my creative life. And I'm a lot farther, I'm a lot closer where I want to be on my creative life than my emotional life. Hmm. Um, and I sometimes think that maybe we're all given one thing that is a little easier for us to show us, do it like you do that thing. Hmm. You know? Um, like, uh, it, so if I can take the lessons I've learned in my creative life and apply them yeah. to my personal life yeah. and do it that way, because I have a really beautiful relationship with my creativity, and I, and I always have. I've always loved it. I've always respected it. I've always found it amusing. Um, I've, always, I've, I've always rejected the myth of torment and suffering and <laughs> martyrdom and that your, your, your scars will be your badge of honor to right. prove what a serious artist you are. Right. I believe that you can be an absolutely 100% serious artist and still take pleasure in your work. That's um, funny. I say that on stage. You, I have jokes where I go, I know I'm supposed to be a dark and curmudgeon yeah, person and tortured. but I like this thing. Yeah, but it's funny being silly. I like it's, it. That's something um, Valerie was like, you and Liz have that in common is not taking yourself too seriously. And enjoy. Yeah. And, and sometimes even let yourself be like, that went well. Yeah. Like, that book, I, I like that book I wrote. Did you know? I ever tell you that's the first thing I said to Rob, actually, was I, I told him this joke that I was like, do you think Joel Osteen ever gets off stage and says, <laughs> that's how you do it, motherfucker. <laughs> And Rob, I've been with Rob backstage, and I'm very happy to say he's gotten off and gone. That's how you do That's it. That's how you do it. And I'm so I happy. Love like, that. I those, love it when people yeah. will let themselves love something that they made. Yeah, because you it, didn't have that much to do with it. You, it that, loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wanted to work with you. The idea came to you because it wanted to come through you, and it wanted right. to be made manifest. And it tapped on your shoulder and said, "Do you want to be a collaborator with me?" Right. Because it liked you. And that was and one it, of your interesting points. When you see an idea that you had, maybe you did have that idea, but you didn't grab it. So it kept floating around. Till it found somebody who it wanted found to somebody do it. Wanted it. Or till it found somebody to work with who didn't have a piss poor fucking attitude. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like I feel like one of the ways I see people kill their creativity is that they bitch about it all the time. And I'm like, what do you think it's gonna do mm. when it hears you talking about how much you hate it? <laughs> it's gonna leave. Like, why don't you tell it that you like it? Yeah. Because most of us like to be liked, and so does inspiration, and so does creativity. All right. of this stuff likes to be appreciated. Just say, right. I welcome you, I love you, I wanna work with you, I wanna do this. I can't like I speak out loud all the time to my books while I'm writing them and I and I say to them like thank you so much for hanging out with me and wanting to do this with me how can I help you help me do this what do you want this to be like we have this relationship going me and this thing this inanimate thing it's the weirdest yeah and so I feel like creatively my goal is really simple it's just more of the same I just want to keep getting to do that because I enjoy it so much and emotionally what I want is 
to be cleaner with people, you know, to just judge less, to just judge less. That's the main thing, because I do know that... It's hard, because don't the creativity man. might even be fueled by that dualism of your brain. You go, this is good and this is bad, we'll just mm-hmm. drive towards the good, and let's push away the right. bad. And, and, uh, sorting, the sorting hat. Like, a, a, a beautifully <laughs> written poem is a very... You had to go into your brain to go, like, the t- tree was tall, like a building. Right. Okay, well, you just said it's tall, it's not small, it's a tree, it's not a rock. So you're in your right. mind and you're judging, even though it's not and like a negative sorting judgment. and yeah. filing and, and going. This is good and this is right. bad. That was I elegant. I can use this. I can't use this. Yeah, cut um, this. This is this is grotesque. This that was is one of my questions. Actually, is like how present do you feel when creating? Because I I'm a big presence person. A lot of my daily, my personal daily mantras are to put me in the moment. Right. And then when I write. Especially if I'm writing a script, I'm an insane person, and I'm fantasizing that I'm in another place and another time, and there's three people in the room, and they're talking, and what they say, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, it's like the least present, and that's why time goes very quickly. It doesn't Does that feel- mean that you're actually the most present? I was going to say- I would agree. I feel that same way, but that's when I feel the most authentic, the most present. I agree with and that, the too. most at peace. It's certainly a wonderful feeling. Yeah. That, I, ha- I, want, I wanted to ask you that, too, is that feeling of channeling. Everybody feels that. I yeah. think even people that- Right in their diary. It's like, why is it that I that yeah. I had the perfect, elegant phrase? I hi- I'm writing a book right now. I highlight things in my own book. Right. I like as that. As I'm writing it, because I'm like, look at that. <laughs> that's how you that do one. it, motherfucker. That's how you do it. And that's what keeps it going. Uh-huh. It's, that's, it's not delusion. It's, it goes back to, what's her name again? Poppy? Oh, Lolly. 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 Auntie it. Lolly. But no, it goes back good. to Lolly being like, good. Good. Cool. Cancer. Cool. Wow, this is interesting. Yeah. What's, what is this thing? And, and um, you have to kind of parent yourself and cheerlead yourself. That kind of You have to kindergarten yourself a little bit. And, and, and you have brilliant phrases I wanted you to speak about. Perfectionists and oh, yeah. how that's kind of like gets wow, in the way. Oh, man. Um, perfectionism. Here's what I've realized the other day. I am The joy in my creative life is that I'm not a perfectionist. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I call myself the, the world's most disciplined half-ass, right? Like, I feel like um, there's a line where I quote the, the, uh, the, the novelist Robert Stone, who died recently, who said he had the two worst qualities for... And, uh, for a creator, he was lazy and he was a perfectionist. <laughs> and and I read that and I was like, oh God, you're right, that's hell. Mm. Um, and and my great good fortune is that I'm a really disciplined half-ass. So I'm willing to get up every morning at five o'clock, work, do the research, do the, and then I'm willing to be like, good enough, yeah, good enough. Ah, screw it, I don't know how to fix this. It's fine. Like I'm willing to let things just be yeah. fine because the process is such a pleasure for me. Um, that the outcome can be wonky and sideways and crooked, and it's still cool. It was still fun to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I could sit here with you and go through all my books and show you everything that's wrong with them. It'd be very boring for both of us. <laughs> but I know what's wrong with them. Yeah. Um, but I also know, okay, I worked in this thing for three years. I'm done. It's good enough. It's yeah. good enough. Send it out in the world. Let's go do another one because it's fun. But people are paralyzed by the idea that it has to be really, really great. Capital G, great. Well, Worse than great, perfect. Perfect, yeah. Um, which is not even a thing, because <laughs> like, there. What? It, what? It, show me like one piece of art that's ever been made in the world that is universally acknowledged as being perfect. There's yeah. no. It's so fucking subjective. Yeah. You know, like there's no universal agreement on what that even is. So you are aspiring for something that cannot be reached, right? Because it doesn't. That would mean all the world would get together and say, somebody made a perfect thing, we agree, it's done, perfection has been... It's never happened, it's never going to happen. Right. Um, and any time that you aspire for something impossible, you are setting yourself up for a tremendous amount of pain. And then, but then you don't even try. 
And this is right. something Valerie you don't was even like, start. please talk about the idea that you won't start because you have this idea. See, I, I was thinking while you were talking, I was like, you would be a good stand-up because a stand-up, and this is something I say on the show all the time, for five years, as Mike Birbiglia said this in his movies, like, you're a delusional person because you do stand-up for five years badly. Right. And every night you get off stage and go, that went great. <laughs> Which is insane. That's but it's comp- awesome. Isn't that true? Um, but you really are a little bit of a crazy person. Hopefully after five years it stops. I know people that are well into their 15th year of doing that. God bless but God. That, that's the thing is you're trying. Yeah. The, people know there's so much content and there's so much competition and there is a lot of like, who am I to do this or do right, this or do right, this. Right. And there really is something to going like, I hate telling stories about myself. I just know me better than anybody. <laughs> My uh, my manager, who I love very much, when I was doing this podcast, he said, well, there's a lot of podcasts where two people sit down. And I said, but I'll be hosting this one. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Isn't that kind of well, gross? But I, I, I like that But moment. I always say that to people because they want to be original. And that's also a thing that doesn't exist because everything is based on bi- the built-up accumulation of everything everyone before you ever did. Right. And it's an ongoing conversation. And people will say, I want to do this thing, but it's already been done. And I'm like, yeah, but it hasn't been done by you. Right. And one thing that you're denying yourself... Well, you're den- there's two denials in that. You're denying yourself the great pleasure of making a thing, mm. and you're denying the world the pleasure of seeing the thing you made, mm-hmm. which, because you made it, is going to be a little bit different than the thing that it's like. Right. Um, so why would you do that to you or us? <laughs> you know? <laughs> just do the thing. Well, that goes back uh, when you said you want to create, you want to keep doing more of the same. I would say, uh, just for fun, yeah. as almost like a thought experiment question, Why? Because it's it's my mainline joy, and and because it gives you joy, it gives me joy, and because not that I'm grading your answers, I think that's a great an- that goes back to that's how you do yeah. it, motherfucker. It's like it feels good to make. Things. I like it. I like doing it. Yeah, and and because I always have an answer in the chamber when the dark evil demon in my head says, "Who the hell do you think you are trying to do this?" Yeah, I have an answer because I realized long ago that. That guy, that like evil psychotic demon in your brain who says you're worthless, and, yeah, and is always that's the only question he ever asks. Who are you? Who who do you think you are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Who do you think you are? And and it's such a hostile question. It seems so. But if you take the tone of voice away from it, maybe he's just curious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe you're just because you're so insecure, you're hearing it as a. As an assault, and maybe it's like, hey, who do you think you are? Who do you, but what do you think you, what do you think you are? Yeah. You're like, maybe there's a way to, and so I just answer it now. He's just really earnestly. He's a saint inside of you. You just infer this tone. And I just say, thank you so much for asking. (laughs) Bunny, you should ask. I'll tell you who I am. I am a child of God. Yeah. Just like everyone else. And I am a constituent of creation, and therefore, I have every authority in the world to participate in its unfolding. And that's who I am. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. And then he, the guy's like, oh. Right. So, like, I think what happens is that when you hear that question, most people stop there because they're like, he's right. Yeah. But it's because they don't know the answer. Right. But the authority. But I have the answer. And the authority actually comes <laughs> from inside. It, yeah. You were saying the, the kind of farm fantasy that you'll be in a, there'll be like a down bed. And Somebody will give you a, a grant. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, a grant. You'll have a studio wife the who thing. pays the bills and cooks meals and vacuums and you right. don't have to do anything but right. just create right it's such an infantilizing fantasy too right but really the authority comes from inside and then yeah. uh, along the way I'm sure it, when you got uh, it was Esquire I believe was put you short story unpublished in their yeah. magazine and that I have to think though there's part of us if you're like me yeah. that goes 
like my first CD. I think that was the first thing that happened. I was like, this has a UPC code on it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like it feels really Don't good. Don't think I didn't buy 100 copies of that Esquire. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course I did. And this is the other part that you just have to be really generous with yourself about. You have an ego, and that's part of it. It's right. part of what it means to be a monkey with a supercomputer brain. Yeah. You have an ego, um, and your ego likes reward, and it hates criticism, mm-hmm. and that's how we're wired, and that's all right. And it's okay. Like, I had a conversation on Facebook, but that's not all you are. So if you think that's the only thing you are, that's a bummer. But you're also a soul who doesn't care about any of that stuff at all, just wants wonder, That goes back to the anthropologist. Joy, you know, yeah. and so, like, like every human I've ever met, I like praise, I don't like rejection, you know? So, of course, good reviews make me happy, bad reviews make me sad. But that's just a little piece of what I am, right? you know? And then I'm like, wow, that's cool. Okay, that made me sad, that made me happy. What are we going to play today? Mm. Like, the part of me who wants to play is like, okay, that's, I, I get it, you know? Um, but right. I still just want to do, I still just want to make stuff. Right. But that's the anthropologist going... It's funny because the anthropologist is reporting from a room that is either heated or air-conditioned by the thing it's observing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. you are kind right. of you're, – you're, you're not really messing with it, but you kind of right. are. Well, you're like among the gorillas and you have their lice. Yeah, you know what I yeah mean? that's right. Like you're living with the Papua New Guinea tribe yeah. and you might have their same parasites. Like right. you're pretty close to the subject. Right, you know? right, right. You're um, definitely entwined. You're definitely entwined. I like to say I'm stuck in but here. But you have that little <laughs> tiny bit of uh, observing yeah. distance. But even going like that, you go, like oh look the human wants to create a thing yeah. but the human is afraid of, ba- of bad press so the human <laughs> gives up so the human doesn't even begin right i mean you know and and i had a conversation with somebody recently who said you know you speak out against perfectionism but isn't it okay that we should want something to be really awesome and aren't you a little afraid that you're going to create a world full of people who just make garbage because you told them to just go ahead and let it be good enough and i was like my concern is not that my concern is not that the work in the world out there isn't perfect enough. My concern is that there are a whole bunch of people who aren't making anything mm. um, because they feel like they're not invited, they're not allowed, they don't have the right access, they don't live in the right city, they don't <laughs> have the right degree, they don't have a permission slip from the principal's office. Yeah. They're the people I'm worried about. I'm not worried about it's so interesting. your work's not good enough. Right. I'm worried about the fact that you're not working at all. Right. You know, that you're just a consumer. That the, 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 the permission and the will and everything and the, and the grant comes from within is such an interesting idea. Something that I like to think about before I meditate is from the Gospel of Thomas. Which, what you bring forth will save you and what you don't bring forth will destroy you? No, I like that one. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Sorry, I, said, I actually said that with a mouthful of water. That was great. What you bring forth for? It's actually wine now. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about it. It says, nice. it says uh, and for people who don't know the Bible, this, this is not in the Bible. This is extra biblical. Uh, they love, this is the cutting room floor of the Bible. It is the cutting room floor of the yeah. Bible, which, which a lot which of. Which is some of the best parts. I know, which is a lot of people hypothesize that it was too empowering. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like, this, is too, this re, re, uh, removes the need right. for a priest or, or a church or a structure or any sort of a too new system of control. Yeah. It was so funny that these things are called New Age, and there they are, I know. written 50 years after. After Christ, and here's right. all our Gospels, which are 150 years after Christ. Anyway, that's my little apocrypha uh, <laughs> plug. But it says, "Stand, uh, stand upon, knock upon yourself as onto a door, and what you open to yourself shall be revealed." Oh. Which I'm just like, get out of my face with that! Oh. Isn't that good? Oh. 
thing of this. Well, I, that's be a scientist of your own experience yeah, again. And yeah. that's be an anthropologist. Be a, I mean, all of this is about a kind of engagement, a conscious engagement, yeah. um, rather than being a passive bystander. Right. Um, as though your life is a thing that is happening unto you. Right. Um, rather than happening from you. Right. Right. Um, that's that's the thing that I am always wanting to hold people upside down by their ankles and shake out right. them. Right, right, you right. Know? right. Um, but whenever I get that urge, I'm like, and you still need some upside down ankle shaking yourself, young lady. <laughs> so shake yourself upside down, empty your pockets before you go around. You know, yeah. like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I still have a long way to go on that. Of course, of course. You know? But see um, that. See that. At least to I me, know that's what I'm trying to do. That to me, my, my therapist, uh, Dr. Gary Penn, would call that a pop up. It's like when we say like we we have some sort of helpful advice, and then we have to. It's not a bad pop ups are great things. Right. My parents don't have pop ups, which is why I have more than most people. But it's a qualifying. Thing statement where right. you go, obviously, I need to do this more. <laughs> right. You know this what I mean? just my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, take it with a grain of salt. You probably uh, don't even need to yeah, hear yeah, this. Yeah. I understand that you're doing I quite should, well. I'm obviously mirroring my own experience here. Yeah, I'm probably you. projecting. <laughs> I'm talking about myself more yeah, than yeah, I am about yeah, you. Yeah, like, yeah. That's super, Pop-ups super, super good. So that's nice. They're like good, that. but they can get in the way at a certain point. They haven't yet, do you, I know you must be, but you know the work of Brene Brown. No. Um, uh, so she writes about vulnerability and courage and shame. Um, she's amazing. She has a new mm. book out called Rising Strong. And I was reading a, a chapter of it aloud to my husband the other night because it made me cry because it just hit on something that I feel like when you say, what do I want for myself? The next thing I want for myself. This is some next level shit for mm. me. Mm. I want... I want to get this into my bones and hold it and act on it and live from it. And she said, um, she was talking about judgment and self-righteousness, which is a problem. I have. My greatest weakness is what? Um, is what? judgment and self-righteousness. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I think like when I look at someone and I'm like, they're doing it wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're doing your life wrong. You know, mm-hmm. um, like there's what more arogant possible thing could you say to somebody? No, but yeah, you're doing your life wrong. Yep. You know, but I'm doing I that feel all the time. It, it just makes time. me feel nice to hear you say that. And I'm always <laughs> doing right. And and she had this line in there. But, and she's like that, too. And um, and tends to be her research has shown the more harshly you judge yourself the more likely of course you are to do that to other people so what you're really Mm. saying when you're doing that is like I'm not at ease and comfortable I don't think I'm worthy and and I'm taking it out on you right Um, so that's 101 but the the line in the book that I thought was just just got me in that like bullet to the heart way was um, she said here I have realized that self-righteousness is a no-fly zone for me like Mm absolutely not permitted to indulge in that because nothing good ever comes for me out of it stop at the second you begin Mm. because here's what i she's like here's what i know about me and self-righteousness self-righteousness begins with me thinking i'm better than the than everyone else and it ends with me thinking acting and feeling at my very worst Mm. very quickly it's like like you go right from like i'm right up there to just Acting like a dick, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, like because that's what self righteousness is. You just walk around acting like a jerk, yeah, you know. Um, so you go from like immediately, you're from like I'm better than all these fools <laughs> to I'm the like what kind of fool walking around saying they're better than all the other fools? Like yeah. what holy sacred person enlightened ever did that? I know, you know, it's very hard. Do you, how are you at seeing the witness in everybody? That's that's hard to do, isn't it? I have enough trouble seeing it in myself. I know, I know. That's I have enough what I'm trouble saying. seeing it myself. But that's for me that that is where the rubber meets meets the road right now for yeah. me in my life. That's the thing that I want gone out of me, I, like gone, or at least 
that I can be amused about it or just lighter about it or just not yeah. because I know it brings me no good. Yeah. It's not the person I want to be. Do you have that thing that I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately? That uh, what, the spiritual stuff, me, this stuff being what I mean by spiritual stuff, uh, mm-hmm. trying to see every, yourself and everyone else and interconnectedness and love everybody and all that sort of stuff. When <laughs> yeah, blah blah yeah, blah yeah, blah yeah, blah yeah. blah blah. Universal human compassion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you find that like when you're in it, when you're at the ashram, or when you're really hitting it hard and doing the work and reading it and, and me- doing a lot of meditating and inner work makes perfect sense and you're really in that space. And then when you take a break from it, it really can be replaced very quickly with like cheese and, you know, like <laughs> hairstyles uh-huh. and Us Weekly. Like I- I'm in that place right now. Like right. I'll, I'll go through these times where all I want to do is listen to Alan Watts and then I stop yeah. and then I can look back to just yesterday and go like, who is that guy? Forget right. 6 o'clock, Pete. Tuesday, Pete, <laughs> doesn't make sense to Wednesday, Pete. Wow. Do you find that it's fragile, like this kind of juicy, good place that we can get to? Yeah. I also think there's room for Cheese in Us magazine, too. You know, really, <laughs> truly, I do. Like, I don't, because um, I'm not that much of a You're not drawing borders. You know, and I, and I think it's kind of cool to find, like, the wisdom and wit and delight in the cheese and the... Yeah. Uh, if you can find it there. Um, but... You know, I think here's the thing that I want is I want to I don't think your spiritual practice is doing you a bit of good unless it serves you on the street in Thanksgiving dinner Hmm. um, when the bus is late. Like that's where you need it. You don't need it on the meditation couch. Right. That's or on like whatever you're sitting on. Yeah. I was like, is this a new thing? I want. Yeah. Everybody has a meditation couch. (laughs) I I think I was trying to say cushion and I couldn't come up with a word. No, it's Um, good. That's the e- like that's the easiest place of your life right there. Nothing's going on. Nobody like the phone's off. The yeah. bills are. You know what I mean? Like I'm often grumpiest right when I'm done. Like I'll stop meditating and that's you gotta when I'll like be go like, back out in there. Yeah, this and shit when again. I was in when I was I was in India and I remember meeting. I saw this. And I remember it took me so long to put my words on why I felt there was something off with it. But there was a woman who had been living. She was American. She was from Chicago. She'd been living at this ashram in India as a staff member and a full on devout practically a monk Mm. like her whole life was about prayer and meditation routine ritual she was in the perfect place in the universe for her um and she'd been there for seven years hadn't been home and she went home for a week because there was a funeral (laughs) and she came back so bent and um and she was like walking around she looked like she'd been in a wind tunnel she was just like (laughs) and and everyone was giving her all this sympathy like oh that must have been so hard to go out of there into the world and she was like it's crazy out there everybody's insane they're all so unevolved they're all like she was so bent and twisted and fucked from just having been in the world with humans and i remember thinking but if what you're practicing here can't make it a little easier for you to be there then what are you, what is this even for right are we here to retreat right? is that the purpose because i wanted to leave that place i didn't want to live my life in an ashram i wanted to go there learn a bunch of stuff and then take it and apply it like where it matters mm. which is when the verizon representative on the phone won't put me through the fucking manager yeah. for the bill that they've sent me six times. Like, that's where you'd need yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And if it's not serving you and you can't find it there, then you need to find a path that will help you right in that moment. Right. You know? Um, because otherwise, anyone can 
my God, I can sit there if somebody's got a tambourine and a, what's that thing, the accordion thing? Yeah, and harmonium. The harmonium and plays the drums. I can get there yeah. to my holy sacred place, but that's cheating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like the incense, like it's all set up. All your senses are being like seduced to the divine. Yeah. But if I can keep it like on the F train. Yeah. That's the worst train. Then It's one of the worst trains. Then I have something that's really <laughs> valuable. Yeah. You know, that's really a treasure. The other stuff is just kind of a hobby. Right. Right, right, right. You know? It's a cool hobby. Right. That's why I asked you for the mantras. Uh, some of them come from Rob. I have them as reminders in my phone, so my phone's always vibrating. Yeah. One of them actually comes from Alan Watts where it says, uh, you who I'm here, which <laughs> it's so great. He's like, anything that is is just like another representation of the divine being like, I'm here. Like any sound, like right. this table making that, that sort of vibration, that sort of relationship right. is is the all-being thing being like, yoo-hoo, which I well, think is very funny. the fine. one I love is Soham, which is also can also sometimes be said Hamsa, um, and that's Sanskrit for I am that. Uh-huh. Or that is I, depending on goes which either way. word. Yeah, it goes either way, whichever, <laughs> because it does. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it's the simplest thing in the entire world. It says... Um, I am the divine, and the divine is me. Right, so right. so you can just r- repeat like I'm not. I'm I'm this whole thing, right? And it is also me, and I am it, and it is me. Um, and and for me, I think the really exciting thing, like spiritually exciting piece of information that I got studying Hindu Shaivism in <laughs> India was um, this idea, this really ancient idea called the splendor of recognition, which is a mystical Hindu Shaivist idea that I love. It is my favorite favorite. Theological, the, I don't even know how to say that. Theological, yeah, no, you got definition it. or like description or explanation of all of this hmm. that makes me the most excited, um, and it feels the most familiar. And it's that the splendor of recognition. And here's the splendor oh. of recognition. The <laughs> I thought it was just that. I was like, says, wow. Well, yeah, no, the splendor of recognition <laughs> says that, that God created the world, created the whole universe, got bored, wanted games to keep God delighted. Um, Created animals, that was fun. Did all this stuff. Then had this great game, best game ever. Created human beings with consciousness. Hid inside them to see if they would ever... And then, and then here's the best part. Not only did God hide inside... Oh, God Pete, himself hid inside. God hid, made Pete, hid a little piece of God inside Pete as a trick. Mm. And then, like, changed the code so that God didn't even remember. So not only does Pete not know... Right. That Pete is God, but God, to play the trick on future God, was like, I'm going to even forget that I did that. And so, so everyone's surprised. So then we're going to send this person out into this world full of trials and difficulties and, and irritations, and they're going to just think they're this meat puppet walking around paying bills and being annoyed. And then we're going to see whether yeah. they, on their own, without even God laying a trail, can find that thing. Mm on the best scavenger hunt that the universe ever invented. And when they find it, it's like a baby, like a peekaboo moment where God and me and Pete see each other face to face and burst out laughing. It's like that. There's that roomy poem. God and I have become like two fat men on a small boat. We keep bumping into each other and laughing. You know, that's the, that's a poem that's based on the theory of the splendor of recognition. Oh, wow. Um, like you just keep colliding with each other and be like, Oh my God, it's you. Oh my God, it's you. And then here's the best part. Immediately you forget again. Yeah. <laughs> and and so the game goes on for eternity. Right. How many times can we play this game and entertain ourselves? Forget your divine. Remember your divine. Forget your divine. Because every time, and you know this, 
when you do have that moment of the splendor of recognition, it's so great. Yeah. It's so great and it's so funny. Because I always find it like the few times I've been up there, and they are a few times where I've really been got it, where I really got it and saw it and felt it and lived it and it was everywhere. It's hilarious. It's adorable because I just think, oh my God, it's so cute that you ever thought you were just this thing walking around. It's adorable that you ever worried about anything or were mad at someone. Yeah. You're God, you big dummy. Yeah. Like, it's so cute. And then I forget. And then I'm back in my, like, minutia. And then, but so the idea of the, that the splendor of recognition is the game, mm. you know, and it's a game that's being played on both sides of the divine divide. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the ultimate recognition is, of course, when it all melts together eventually. Um, but what a fun trick for God to keep God entertained for eternity. Right. Hide and seek. Hide and seek. In, and, and this is the other part. Uh, part of that theology is choose the species that is the least likely to ever figure this out. <laughs> like a bunch of dumb monkeys who have a bunch of emotions they can't handle. Right. Like, what could be more unlikely than that one of these meat puppets walking around could actually one day divine that they are divine? Right. You know? You ever feel one of those That mom- raises the stakes of the game. I Sometimes I feel like you're coming close to a moment like that, and then you just decide not to. <laughs> you ever feel that? And you're just like, no, yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm just going to... No. Just, Whatever it is that I was doing. Pete. Yeah, I'm going to be meat feet. I'm going to be meat feet for a while because that makes so, more sense. So Splendor of Recognition is something like that's when I, the few times that I meditate, because I have such a lame meditation practice, but when I do try, that's what I ask for. Yeah. You know, I was great. like, can you show me that thing again? Because I, I love that thing more than anything. It's interesting. I think, I'm trying to think of how I used to think. So if somebody would say that I have a piece of God in me or I am God, people would go like, but you don't control the world because that's how we usually think anthropomorphize right. God as, a, as the great controller so you can't fly or heal your uh, your what do you call her not her name Lolly. Um, <laughs> what's her relationship that time I my remembered aunt, Lolly your aunt Lolly yeah, shit yeah, right. I forgot the first right, part right, now right, right. but you can't cure her cancer right. and all that sort of stuff so that that actually was something I, I wanted to ask I like asking people the questions I would like to right. be asked right. and my question is the idea of a God that's involved in pain and loss and right. suffering as opposed to the God that I think most people think of who's the champion against that right. and, and is, is your good luck charm keeping you away from that. Uh, Generally speaking, my flat-out answer to that is I don't know and I hate to put my foot in any theological discussion about – I mean, this just comes down to pain. why pain. Yeah. Um, because I don't know. Liz, why pain? Uh, uh, I don't know why pain. Yeah, but you know – How about this? Why not? <laughs> Liz, why your pain? Um, well, my uh, my pain's so insignificant when you – I mean, when, I mean, my friend Richard used to say a really lame way to feel gratitude is to compare yourself to other people's suffering. It works, but it's pretty lame. Yeah. But um, it's lame to say this, but my pain is pretty mild very mild in the world compared to what's out there, what's on the menu. I but, have to make that apology, too, because my, um, my great pain is a divorce, and that was yeah. very painful for you, too. But and it hurt. It hurts. It's bad. It's, you know. But I don't know. I don't know, and I don't want to... And all the simple, pat answers that anybody will ever give to answer that question, I feel like, are insulting to people who are suffering. Hmm. Um, to say, you know, hey, it's all for the good. You're trying to be led on it. To say that to someone who's in pain is awful. Mm. Um, God has a plan. Awful thing to say to somebody who's in pain. Mm-hmm. Horrible, mean thing to say to somebody who's in pain. Uh, God wanted all his favorite angels near him, so he took your child. What a dickhead you are if you say <laughs> that to somebody. Like, if you're a minister and you say that they should 
take your <laughs> minister's license and your driver's license away from you. Like you also can't drive. Horrible human being, right? So I feel like whenever we try, whenever people try to give that answer, um, oh, it's all an illusion. None of that pain is real. Come on, you know it is. Mm. You know that when someone is suffering, that that pain is so real to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a mean thing to say, like. Why are you stuck in the dream of the vision of the movie that you're in? My sister died. <laughs> you know what I mean? My I'm, sister got written out of the movie. I'm like, this is the worst day of my life. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, watch it like a witness. Like, an obs- like all of those answers are so, fall so short right. of the only answer that I think you can possibly bring as a human being to, to that, which is, what can I do to help you? Mm. Right? That's it. That's all you have. And... And if somebody says, why did this happen? I think you just have to say, I don't know. And we might never know, but what can I do to help you? What do you need? Cheese in Us magazine. I'll bring it right over. <laughs> you know, do you need me to sit here? Do you need me to answer the phone for you? Do you need me to call the funeral home? Do you need me to check in on you every day? Do you need me to know? What do you, how can I serve you, my fellow, my brother, my sister, when you're in the darkest moment of your life? Mm. And so I feel like when people start demanding why isn't God doing something about this? I feel like the question is, well, why aren't you doing something about this? Mm. You know, um, what are you doing? <laughs> like you're putting this on, hey, God, why'd you have, why aren't you taking care of those Syrian refugees? What are you doing to take care of a Syrian refugee <laughs> in your life right now that you can judge God for not taking care of them? Mm. Are you, what are you putting out there? You know, um, so. Well, that goes back to the idea of a God being a separate thing that's watching that can help as opposed to right. the Syrian refugees also being a part of God. I, I, I wonder, I wonder how you, And I got to tell you... Oh, I that wasn't even a question. Know, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's... I mean, these are... Look, this is what drives people away from any kind of faith. Whoops. Um, because that question is the question that there's no good answer to. And so people are like, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to live in a flatline world now. I'm going to live in an empirical world. I'm going to live in a science world. There's no meaning. There's no point. Uh, we, when we die, we rot. Right. Uh, we, there's nothing else going on here under the surface. Right. I'm finished because there's an unanswerable question. Right. And, and so for me, I'm like, there's an, guess what, you guys? There's an unanswerable question. Now you sound like you're on. <laughs> I'm not finished, cool. though. <laughs> I'm not finished participating in wonder, prayer, faith. So what if it's okay if there's an unanswerable question? Hmm. And, and what if the question is, what are you going to... Again, like I said to you, like I said to Six O'Clock Pete, and dot, dot, dot. Right, right, right. Who are you going to be? Right. The world's full of suffering. Yes. Horrible, despicable, disgraceful suffering. Dot, dot, dot. And dot, 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 question. Who are you going to be? Right. What are you going to do with your time here? What's your place in this? Yeah. The rest of it, I can't do anything about that. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know i realized on the ride over that i've been quoting you for a long time we usually talk about we talked a little bit about craft we usually talk about love although we've been skipping love a lot lately uh but i realized <laughs> one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you uh, about love is that i quote you all the time because i saw you mm. in this emotional life long before i had read oh, you do you remember PBS doing that thing, yeah i actually really loved that i don't know if you watched it it's really good i don't think i've ever seen it yeah you look great Thanks. No sweetie. glasses, black turtleneck. <laughs> my, uh, my Steve Jobs. Yeah, you were doing the Steve Jobs. You had an iPad. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say I had an eye patch. That was before I had glasses. I just had that, I had that lazy eye I was trying to fix. 
where you say you talk about the burdens of the modern marriage. Mm. And I know you wrote a book about this, and I know it's frustrating to have authors summarize their books. No, I don't. No, no. I have to imagine it would be. Like when Rob came on, I was like, I know you wrote a whole book about this, yeah, but no. what about hell? And I was like, well, <laughs> well okay. all right, let's go. I, I'm interested in the idea of somebody that's uh, divorced as I am, and, and uh, I, I also believe in marriage. I like it. It yeah. seems like a good uh, thing. It yeah. seems like an also a very impractical thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody. Uh, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting Let's thing. Let's just go back to that like word. That. It's a really interesting thing. It's to interesting, do. but I mean, like, we all have to face the fact that, you know, a lot of them end. You know yeah. what I mean? My wonderful girlfriend, Valerie, would say just What because, if I just said the radical thing that I was just thinking? What's that? More of them should. <laughs> what if more of them should? What if the tragedy isn't that a lot of them end, but that not enough of them That's do? It's so funny. What if people were like, I'm done. This isn't working. This isn't fun. This shouldn't be as hard yeah. as it is. You're going to love. I Goodbye. can't. I wish I could remember whose joke <laughs> this was. It's an Asian American. He's from Boston. His joke is uh, people ask me if I want to get married, and I say, uh, no. Did you know that 50% of marriages last forever? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> that good. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, no, I mean. Um, a, sorry, I, a lot of, but it was just this weird impulse. No, I, I loved it. Are you kidding me? But um, then you got married, you're in it again. And the yeah. thing you say in this emotional life is you say, back in the day, your your spouse was just your partner. You know, it was just kind of somebody that was in the same domicile as you, and right. you plucked a chicken, and you ate it, and you fell asleep at 7 o'clock because you were so exhausted from tilling fields. And from being malnourished. Yeah, and from being horribly malnourished. <laughs> and, and you're no both teeth. dying of yeah, things that are undiagnosed. It's, it's just terrible. terrible. You're, well, you have your wisdom teeth, and they're killing you. <laughs> you have to take them out with a snake bite. Terrible stuff. So your life is terrible. But then you had this wife, and that was just kind kind of like a thing yeah. but we still have the same vows and the same right. pledges but our lifespans are the longer the expectations are enormous and the thing you say is now it's this like multi-pronged table where yeah. it's like it's best friend it's inspiration it's it's lover here's what you're putting on it yeah I want this person to be here's what it has to be yeah they have to be incredibly sexually exciting to me forever they have to be my best friend they have to be my soulmate they have to be my intellectual match they have to be the perfect parent for the kind of parenting that i want to do that style they have to fit into my family and my community and my friends and be interested in all the same stuff that i'm interested in like the list is when you start to quantify what people are expecting out of this Mm. it's kind of overwhelming and maybe a little bit unrealistic yeah <laughs> you know um and maybe the cause of i mean there's that wonderful oh, that plant an expectation reap a disappointment right the higher <laughs> the more you are expecting out of something the easier it is to 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 be broken by it yeah um and you know one of the reasons that i think marriages used to last longer is because people didn't think they had to be everything in the world to them well those you know? people were also going and, and they their expectations for life in general might have been a lot less however I actually think it's kind of good to have high expectations for life. And then that makes me think maybe we should rethink like what partnership and marriage is. Maybe that means that you don't get to maybe keep somebody for 60 years. Maybe it means that maybe it's okay if somebody cycles into your life for a season for a reason. You do this project together, this interesting thing of co-mingling your life and then maybe it goes away maybe it goes away well that's what valerie said that's that's her great quote to me she said just because something ends doesn't mean it was a failure and i was just like well my god she's 26 she said that when she was like 25 i was like what is going on with this person but i i'm with you so redefine it in that way like why why does it have to last forever or or it sucks go into it knowing 
this piece of information, then do whatever you want with this piece of information. Yeah. You know, but that's what I feel like the big thing for me in writing and researching the book Committed, which is this whole book about marriage, was that piece of information, which I did not know, and now I do. Yeah. Um, so here's the one thing. Just know this. Know that if you are a modern, Western, particularly American person, you are going into a marriage, you are going into your marriage with the single highest standard of expectations that any humans have ever applied to this institution in the history of this institution. Mm. So if that's cool with you, <laughs> cool. Or if you want to like meditate on that and what that might mean, or if you want to modulate that, or if you want to like whatever you want to do with it, but know it mm. because it's a good thing to know. Know your enemy, I suppose. Know your situation. <laughs> your situation. Know what you're, this thing that you're doing and what like you might be setting yourself up for a little right. bit, and then think about if what you are wanting is real. Is and that real goes thing. to Kodo. Co- co- Kodo. <laughs> I feel like I have this joke where I say most love songs are grossly codependent. And then I, <laughs> right. I always quote that. I don't want to close my eyes. Right. I don't want to fall asleep. It's like, get a hobby. I want you, <laughs> right. I want you to have your own experience. Oh you know what I mean? It almost never works because people love those songs and they love their codependent relationships. I've been a big codependent person. But even in what you're saying about your marriage, like maybe he doesn't have to come to the party. That is like... Something I feel like a lot of people yeah. I know, it's not okay to be like, Very few, I don't want to go. Like, I don't know why my, while I do, I have theories that my, my first marriage didn't work, but I'm 11 years into this relationship and my second marriage. It's really great. We're having a really good time. Wait, this is the long one. This is the long <laughs> one. You know, and, and it's the fun one and it's the relaxed one. And, yeah. um, like, we don't have all that much in common. Like, he's the last person. <laughs> book he read was mine you know what i mean like he only writes reads books i write but that's because he's my fan he loves me but he's not a reader he's not a literary person he's not like there's so much stuff that we don't share in common but he just thinks i'm terrific and i think he's terrific and he said to me like the one of the most romantic things he ever said to me when we were beginning he was like i just want to be wherever you go i like being around you don't worry about me i'm fine (laughs) just think of me if you're busy and there's stuff that you're focused on and passionate about just just think of me as like that guy who's around. <laughs> and I'm there. I'm like that hunk. He's like, he, the, it sounds so unromantic, but I love you. He's like, I'm that hunk of meat who's in your bed and like at breakfast with you. And then you go do your thing. And that hunk of meat will be there when you come home mm. and just thinks the world of you and just go, you know, I'm good. Um, right. But you don't need to, you know, like you don't need to. I'm, I'm fine. You don't have to constantly just stay, prove it. Yeah, just just hang around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like hanging around you. That's, I mean. It's I'm, nice. That is how I feel with Valerie. It's like, I just like being around you. And one of our little mantras is, I only want good for you. Oh, and I got this from Oprah. That's nice. Since you guys are big Oprah heads. What are Oprah fans called? Oprahites? Um, I think they're called people. <laughs> I think they're called all of the people. Yeah. All, oh, just humanity. Like humanity. <laughs> That's what I meant, like all of like the whole population of the world, basically. Um, well, but, yeah. she had Tik Tik Nan Tot on Tik Nan Han. Tik Nan Han. What did I just call him? Tik Nan Tot. I just got it wrong. Tater You're gonna, we're going to get yeah. a bunch of um, hate mail from, from Vietnamese monks. people. <laughs> a mo- from hate mail from monks. Yeah. Hate. Put it in yeah. the hate mail from monks file. <laughs> Not another hate mail from another monk. It's funny because you said I am that, which is one of his books that I have. Yeah. Anyway, but he was on Oprah and he said. Uh, we, oh, I love doing this with Valerie. It's a, it's a paraphrasing of something he teaches, which is, I see you in there. Because I see you in oh, there. And it's just such a romantic. Oh, 
Isn't that good? So sweet. It's so romantic. And he was like, that's what people want mm. is like to go, I know you're in there. Mm-hmm. And I see you in there. And then the second thing is he goes, I'm here for you. Like, I, I want, I'm giving you my presence, Aww. which is just like, ooh. It's Aww. so funny when you have somebody. See, what I hear your husband saying is like, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And when you would like go me to reflect. Do, go do, go be. Yeah. And when you reach out, you'll notice that there's a guy there, and that's me. Right. Not the guy that is <laughs> you know? mad that you're not hanging out. Yeah. Who's attracted to that? Yeah. This is what this – I'm always bringing up uh, Christ and stuff. That's not – it's not an attractive model to go, like, join me or die. You know what, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not appealing. Right, right. And the thing you can't say about uh, the Christ story is that it, it wasn't popular. It was very popular. It survived yeah. a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it survives now in, in all its many, many forms. But it was certainly popular at the beginning. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it was it was because it was, like, about being there for somebody. And I think I hear that's what your husband Aww. is doing. Yeah, he's a good – He's a, What does he do? He's a good guy. He is a gemstone jewelry importer. He's a, he's, he's a camel trader is what he calls himself. He spent his life buying things here and selling them there. He's lived all over the world. He's, like – I think he, in past lives he really was a guy with a caravan of camels going across mm. the desert with oriental rugs. Uh-huh, Asian. Asian rugs. Back then, oriental rugs. <laughs> <laughs> they, did, they weren't as enlightened. Of um, course not. And, uh, you know, just that's what he is. We have a huge warehouse and we travel all over and buy stuff and sell it. I um, love it. It's great. Uh, and I don't know, it's just Do you get good. grumpy when you write? I get very grumpy when I write. No. Really? I get distracted. Mm. Um, and sometimes I, f- I hear myself apologizing to him where I'm like, sorry, my mind's not totally here. Mm. But I don't know. I get grumpy when I don't write. Is that right? I get grumpy when I'm not allowed, when the stuff is in my way. Isn't that funny? You take the thing that probably used to scare you. This is a stand-up analogy. The thing uh-huh. that used to scare you more than anything. Lose sleep, dry heaves in the morning, panic. Ruin your day. You'd do a five-minute set. It would ruin your day. Right. Potentially the, the day before. That's 48 hours of ruinedness. Right. <laughs> five minutes of stand-up. And then you become addicted to it. Right. And literally, uh, Val knows me so well, she'll actually be like, you might need to do a set because it's like... Oh, it's like 50s annexes right. and a bottle of champagne or right. something. Right. Honey, why don't you why don't yeah. you pour yourself a stiff five-minute set? If I had done a stiff five-minute <laughs> – that sounds weird. If I had done a five-minute <laughs> set, I guarantee I would have come into – I was grumpy when we started. Then I started yeah. observing it, and you're so edifying and so nice. I love it. Edifying. So, yeah. I have never been called – is that like some of the bad Oedipus complex? <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about the Oedipus complex, we can talk about that. <laughs> My mom is deeply in love with me. Uh, You know, somebody said to Freud, why do you always talk about the Oedipus complex? And he said, I would love to stop talking about it, but it just never goes away. I know. Just keeps coming up. I'd be anytime you guys want to stop talking about it, I'll stop talking yeah, about it. Yeah, but my patients keep bringing it up is the problem. <laughs> Here we are again. I was just at a, a wedding, and and it wasn't a creepy wedding. It was a lovely wedding, but I see it everywhere. I see it in the daddy daughter dance. I see it in the mom son dance. It's just a huge part of our culture. Yeah. In the speeches, in the vows, we're soaking in it. Nobody seems <laughs> to care or mind right. that the dad at a traditional wedding gives away the daughter. Here's my girlfriend. 
I, I just call my mom my first girlfriend to, to Val. It's just oh the only way out is through with that. I'm just like, yeah, my mom's jealous that we're going to, to Maui and she wishes it was uh, oh me and her. You know what God. I mean? Like, and I, I say that to we, my mom. You know what I mean? I, I Like, we joke about yeah, yeah, it. My, yeah, yeah. I love my mom. She is a with it yeah. woman. But there's stuff that's going in our, in our subconscious. Do you know, <laughs> I have fucked. a friend who's an amazing therapist who said that one of the worst things that can happen to a boy is that he is an Oedipal victor. I hadn't even heard this expression. Oh, that Ooh. oh, that mom did choose him over dad. Uh, and that then, is an that his fantasy yeah. as childhood came true, and that mom was like, "I like you better you than the your father. One. You're the best one. You're the chosen one. He's going to leave. It's just going to be the two of us." And boy, do you create a monster man when you make a guy like or that. a great comedian. Thank or you very a great much. Of the United States, <laughs> Bill Clinton. Um, did that happen? With yeah, him? yeah. He's Does he like talk the about classic. That? Oh, he doesn't talk about it, but he's the classic Oedipal survivor. <laughs> he like actually punched out his stepfather and threw him out and his oh, mom wow. was like always he was totally his mom's boyfriend and he's therefore like Very he like when that means that there's no boundaries on you ever because yeah. the appropriate thing is that your mom's like you're a kid this guy who lives in the house is the man mm. he sleeps in the bed you're a child when you grow up you can get your own woman yeah right like but if you're like no you're if the mom says to the kid you like win. you're the love of my life right then he's the guy who can get away with anything the whole life because he already won the biggest prize on earth. Maybe that's where I get my grotesque ego. <laughs> but you know, the step that's involved there is uh, Pete Rollins, this philosopher, did the podcast and he taught me about the no of the father. It's not just on the oh, woman. Right. It's Everybody's got to shut it down. The dad is supposed to yeah, say no. Absolutely not. And it's right around puberty. It's actually later. The dad right. gets all this time. The mom has... The early years, right. oh, obviously they're both there, but as Joey Cams would call it, dad is the hairy helper for that period. <laughs> and then, and then around puberty, this is why we have all the dark, deep, scary cave rituals. We have the hunting rituals. And this is where the dad is supposed to take the boy right. away from the mother who he is rightly in love with. Right. Feeds him, loves him unconditionally. Now ideally. you have to go out in the woods with a spear and not eat right. for five days and come back a man. It's the no of the father. He right. says, no, this is mine and I'm going to show you how to go get yours. But if the one of the scariest and weirdest things that you can have happen to you is you want your mom and your dad says you can have her. Oh. That's, that's a bad oh. situation. <laughs> oh. I'm not saying that necessarily happened in my situation. But. I, I, I dated and was very much in love with an Oedipal survivor. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember talking to my friend who was a therapist about it and she was like, yeah, here's the thing you got to understand about him and everything that's horrible that's happening to you right now. <laughs> and she like broke it down. She's like, this is what happened. And uh, she's like, the thing about that guy, that's a kind of a guy. Mm. That's like a type of a, like, you think that's like a, that's a problem he's had. That's a sort of a problem that there's a kind of a guy who has that. Mm. You're I not, wonder if there's a book you're not gonna wanna. <laughs> you're not going to want to stick around for much more of this. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of work to Just unpack like, it. Lot, a lot of, a like, lot, letters. Lot. <laughs> and you know what? That kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. There are these efforts that you have to make, these impossible efforts to change your family that won't win, but you have to do them for you. Right. Like being like, Mom, have you noticed that you're in love with me? And even if it gets <laughs> oh to the point God. where where you joke about it and talk Ray, about it. We know some people who need to be having that conversation. But the, the, here's the crazy thing. Even if it doesn't work, right. quote unquote, well, it, works it works for you. for you. It works for you. So that's where maybe I well, got off track. Well, it's you setting a boundary. You know, like something, I mean, this is a terrible jump to a different kind of real, much more real abuse, of course, which is child abuse and sexual abuse. But mm. I was reading a book that a guy wrote about a, a, a relationship he had as a teenager with an older man and um, and that he was confused about his whole life because he was like it was one of these like 
youth counselor guys who mm. was really charismatic and this was a really broken lost kid who was easy prey mm-hmm. and he the kid was gay and it was so on one hand it was this sort of amazing sexual awakening and on the other hand it was a total violation right on the other hand like it just broke him and awoke him at the same time um and he to was have just those a, things sandwiched oof, and he was you know really struggling it's an amazing um book called the tricky part it's such a good book but he you know in this book he has this line where it took him years. He finally went to a counselor who said, let me break it. Because he was always trying to relieve his abuser. He was like, yeah, but he wasn't an awful person. Like, yeah. I think he did love me. But he was, ki- I know it was wrong, but it was also kind of, like, he just couldn't, it was the tricky part. He couldn't, mm-hmm. it was, compl- he was, he was, was he a rapist? This I don't was know. in the Skeleton Twins. Was it, you did know, you like, just, twins? no, I haven't. It's a plot in the Skeleton Twins. It's, so he was, re- it's a real subtle book. And the, the counselor just said, yeah, but here's the rule. The job of the child is to fall in love with the adult. The job of the adult is to set boundaries. Mm. So you did your job. You fell in love with this charismatic, beautiful, amazing person when you were a lost, hungry kid. But he didn't do his job. Mm. And his job was to not have sex with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was his one job. And You had one job. <laughs> he, re- really, he really did a number on you. But right. I think that's, you know, and that's... The, that's the rules, you know. And if no one ever does that for you, then then you got to do it later in life yourself. Yeah, it's a bigger job. It's interesting for me. It's uh, it's all about talking about it constantly, keeping all the windows open. Mm-hmm. It really, really, really keep your shadow where you can see air, it. Air that shit out. <laughs> Put that shadow where you can see it because you don't know what it'll do when you hide it. It'll yeah, do terrible right? work on you. That's that's what it's all about. That's what this podcast is about. I mean, it's it, it might be a little jarring for both of you who don't know me for me to be like, my mom's in love with me, but we've got I've gotten hey. used to it. It's just been like, yeah, that's fine. And that's all hear, I have. The cool thing is, someone will hear that and they'll be like, oh my god, yeah, that's what my whole life has been, right, and right. I didn't even put language because on it's before. not. The weird thing is, it's not that bad. No, like, it's a thing. It's a kind it's a of a subtle thing. victimhood. <laughs> it's a it's a subtle sort of like, yeah. oh, I feel weird. Like you want to get really weird is that you start feeling like you're cheating on your mom. This was a long time ago. Like in my early relationships, you'd feel disloyal uh-huh. to your mother. You still see this. People being like, your mom's your number one girl. She's always there for you. <laughs> Wives and girlfriends come and go, but your mom's always... You should eat a pussy. Like, that's what they're saying. Get the fuck out of my face. Do you understand? I I say eat the pussy because that's what it's it's right under there. It's like, she's the one. (laughs) That totally resonates for me because I'm a lesbian, so I've always. (laughs) I can't believe it's been two hours. I I would keep going, but there's uh, a certain respect for your time I'd like to demonstrate. Oh, aren't you sweet? Here's a couple things, let's go through this make sure we you want to do should we lightning do lightning round? round yeah lightning round okay i love lightning round We're you can pass one sentence answers. yeah that's what i'm saying okay here go. we go uh the greatest lesson you've learned about art oh come on liz <laughs> don't be a perfectionist <laughs> um it's something that ah got it uh the work wants to be made and it wants to be made through you boom greatest lesson you've learned about love don't overthink it. <laughs> That's good stuff right there. Did you feel how good that oh, was? Yeah. <laughs> Greatest lesson you've learned about family. Leave them alone. Leave them the fuck alone. Pete, I'm telling you, I feel like 
Now I'm trying to change. I'm going to put that on the I fridge. No, but I want to be changed. I want this for you so much. Yeah. I want you to just leave them the fuck. I'm going to put it on my fridge and just preach to those of us who come to your podcast because we want to hear you. Preach. You you may have changed my life. I, we're doing a alone. funeral. Give them a break for hope. I just told Rob Give this. Give them a break. I they don't want a... your fucking CDs. Oh! <laughs> they don't want your meditation cushions. They don't want. They don't. Want they, don't. they really don't. Just God, leave them alone. They really don't. They want. I'm you. just so happy you're working on yourself. Leave them alone. <laughs> Uh, greatest lesson you've learned about God Um, that God wants to feel things through your hands and eyes and delights in doing so delights in feeling things through you wants to feel everything you're feeling we were just we were on the roof yesterday. There was a gorgeous sunset, and we were like, "We are the eyes of the universe. We're the only ones looking at this right now." One of the ways cloud. the universe knows itself, yeah, is through what the stuff that you get to feel. Isn't that great? You're great. Uh, greatest lesson you've learned about fear. That's a big one for you. Um, that it's a toggle switch. Wow. Can I give a longer than one sentence answer? You may. Okay. I wasn't counting your sentences. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, fear. Here's the mistake that we make with fear. We hate it, and we fear it, and we resent it, and we want it gone. And the big mistake we don't make with it, that we make about it, I just said this to Rob, is that we don't begin by showing our enormous gratitude to it. Because before everything else, before we, like, bitch about how it holds us back and it doesn't let us do anything and it ruined our life and it's stopping us, start with, you are here because your fear has at times saved your life. Hmm. Like... You literally owe your life to this thing. You're here because your ancestors survived because they were terrified enough to save their own lives. You're here because you didn't get in the car with that guy because you didn't, you got out of the ocean when the waves were, like all Mm. sorts of times in your life, your fear was like, um, maybe like, no, I don't want to take that pill that that guy just gave me. But maybe like so many times your fear and and all you want to do is be mad at it. All you want to do is be pissed off at this thing that's like, the most loyal protector of your bodily life. So before you start hating on it, just take a moment and say to it, thank you so much for all the times that, that you threw yourself in front of that car for me, took a bullet for me, stopped me from doing that stupid thing. I owe you literally everything. Mm. So start with that. And so when your fear rises up and you're like, shut up, fucking fear. Like, I hate you, you ruin it. Start by just, and then have a, start there. Say thank you. And then explain what you're doing now and why you don't need its services right this minute. Mm. So I, that's what I do. I say, thank you so much for everything you've brought me. I appreciate it. I'm here because of you. But right now, I don't really need you to participate in this because all I'm doing is like an onstage interview. And I'm probably not going to die. Yeah. And so, <laughs> But thank you so much. I know you're concerned. I know it's your job to look out for me. You've done a beautiful job doing that. But you can wait offstage and I'll meet you when I get off. They're the secret service. And they're like a little trigger happy, but that's only because it's a dangerous world. Like the Secret Service. They, and you're precious. <laughs> you're precious and your fear wants to keep you alive. So that's the thing I've learned about fear. Respect, respect it. Admire it. Be grateful to it. And then talk to it and explain that it can just stand down. You can stand down. Yeah. This is cool. Yeah. This, no one's going no to get hurt here. I'm just trying to write a poem. Again, I go to stand-up. We talk about this you know? all the time. You th- it's fight or flight, and you think the audience is going to attack you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get over. You're not going to die. They're like, bomb, because then you learn you can bomb, and you'll yeah. survive. It'll be fine. And it will be, be fine. fine. And some people fine. maybe even there's like no, it. There's never going to be any such thing in your life or mine as an arts emergency. 
We're going to have a lot of emergencies, but never one of them is going to be an arts emergency. Just <laughs> not true. We need a haiku. Snap. <laughs> uh, and this, this, this is always our final question, and, and it's a lot of fun, is uh, in your whole life, can you think of a time that you laughed really, really, really hard? Yes. Um, I was 14. We had a foreign student from France. She was a bitch. And my best friend, Abby, and I were trying to be nice to her because we wanted her to like us because she was so much more sophisticated yes. than us because yeah. she was fucking French. Yeah. She was an asshole. And yeah. now like, I can look back at it and just see she's horrible. But at the time, we just thought she was the everything. And we took her for a picnic in our dumb small town to the most sophisticated place we thought that there was, like the nicest place. And, and somehow, Abby and I decided that we wanted to learn how to say fart in French. And we wanted to ask Valérie to teach us Valerie was oh wow name. weird um, wanted to ask her to teach us how to say fart and the two of us started <laughs> laughing so hard trying to dare we were so afraid of her so we were like no you ask no you ask her no you ask her no you ask her while well, she sat there like perfectly coiffed with this completely disdainful face saying what are you talking about what do you uh, what are you talking about what just say what is the thing and we were like and we started laughing we were rolling down the hill like, can't say it we can't and, and, we're tr- and I'm like Abby just make the noise just make the noise and ask her how you say that in French <laughs> just make the noise and we were like and then Abby finally made the noise like she did like a big mouth fart and then we were like gone for like 10 minutes and the funny and we couldn't stop laughing and she couldn't laugh um, and she knew she was and she finally just said what is so funny about this? This is natural. It's a natural thing that people do. It is not a humor. It is not a humor. And we were like, it's not? It's the fun. It's the only, gen- like, universally That's funny. That's international, thing. Like, yeah. isn't it? And, um, and then the best line ever, my 14-year-old friend, Abby, said, well, your country's a lot older than our country, and maybe you're just more mature about it. Our country's still very young. We still think this is really funny. <laughs> Our country is a teenager. When I want to be happy, I just think of laying on my back, and I can't even get the words out, just saying, Abby, make the noise! Uh, Make the noise! Like calling it forth out of her. That's great. To a really disdainful French aristocratic jerk. So many of the stories have somebody who's not laughing (laughs) or or isn't supposed to laugh. You know what I mean? She didn't tell you. I thought it was like Le Bouffe or something. (laughs) She wouldn't even, she's like, this is not I don't even know why. In this... Arabic, it's called darta. <laughs> darta? But isn't there a feshwe also? Feshwe is a silent fart. Feshwe. Feshwe? It's onomatopoeic. It sounds oh, we like... Are li- what yeah, fes- feshwe. Feshwe. <laughs> I, I, I pronounce the S. Feshwe and darta. Darta's like a thunderous one and feshwe's a... Yeah, I think we know which one's a darta. <laughs> by your pronunciation. You should work for Rosetta Stone. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, Liz, thank you. And, and Rhea, thank you for being here. It was, was wonderful awesome. to be uh, in your presence. And would you say we have every guest say keep it crispy? It's just how we end. Oh, uh, I will keep it so super crispy. <laughs> I'll keep it in the crisper, like in a airproof vacuum seat. I wondered bag. if you knew how to say it in Italian. Crispy? crispy? Yeah, fried. Frita. There's a great term in Italian for the kind of talking that grumpy, that six o'clock beat was annoyed about yeah. um, is what the Italians call aria frita, which means fried air, oh. which means that's all you're doing is serving up nothing. There's no substance. Wow. Um, so aria frita. Aria frita, fried air. Oh, my God. Fried air. That, 
I'm glad that came up. <laughs> and what is it? Leave them the fuck alone? I'm putting that on the fridge. Just leave them the fuck alone. Rhea, would you say keep it crispy? Keep it crispy. <laughs> I'm crusty. We <laughs> <laughs> learned so much. Thank you, ladies. Thank You're you very so much. Now leaving Nerdist.com.